When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. The Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Oh, that it is. I am broadcasting from my home. I had to, I returned home from Victoria, so I went and got myself tested. I had to stick around until that test came negative, which it did this morning, but I haven't had time to go into the studio. So to paint a picture for you, I'm sitting in my wife's baby blue dressing gown. I got my slippers on. And I'm ready to dial in for what is a big three hours. And the good news is the Victorian COVID numbers are through just that second. I'll read the media release, which was just on Twitter. Just then, four local cases and two new cases acquired overseas. 17,222 vaccine doses were administered, which would have to be a record. Well done to all of you. Victorians who got out there for the jab yesterday, 47,462 test results were received yesterday. I don't know, I'm no expert, but that seems like a little bit of good news to start your Friday. We've got a big show coming up. We're gonna, we will take you to all the announcements that need to be made when the government heavy hitters speak this morning. So we'll cross to that live and keep you updated with all things happening. But that would have to be a good start to the Friday, considering where those numbers could have been. Good news. Coming up, Kautumi from the AFL, the VFL, the NAB League, cancelled over the weekend. The ramifications of that and also as we cast ahead to the mid-season draft and some of the names that your club might take. Josh Carr from Fremantle, Port Adelaide Premiership player. Of course, Fremantle coming to Adelaide to take on Port Adelaide in a game that has been delayed by 40 minutes. We'll catch up with Kari. Brett Phillips, Naomi Osaka made a real strong statement with her lack of media that she will be conducting at the French Open. So will other players follow suit? And how do our Aussies sit, including Ash Barty, ahead of uh, Roland Garros, which is coming up over the weekend? We'll catch up with the Rebels. We've got the quiz And as I said, we'll keep you updated with any news that drops this morning. The number, though, this is the most important thing. If you're sitting around, you're wondering what to do, jump on the phone, have a conversation with me. Let's talk some sport. 1300 736 736. Or you can send us a temper text 0433 98 11 16. Sorry for the picture that I painted. But gee, my wife's dressing gown is comfy. Let's start the show with this. With all the COVID drama of this week, one issue can't be overlooked. And I'm not going to let it. And I urge you to jump on with me and almost, I don't know, start a petition here this morning. Now, if you've ever sat close to the boundary line at a footy game, you will know that the game is anything but soft. 
you'll see hardened bodies colliding at fast pace and anyone with a basic knowledge of physics knows such collisions, well, they're going to hurt. However, this week, with a marathon session at the AFL Tribunal, we have all watched all that's been synonymous with Australian football at risk of being taken away. The physical, brutal nature of a combative sport, I reckon it's likely to be lost. I hate to say it, but the game, not the players, is going soft. The AFL is petrified by existing and impending class action lawsuits from former players linking their bouts of concussion with a serious array of post-football problems that include depression and memory loss. This could lead to serious damages that the game will struggle to cover. So the league, I get it, is compelled to minimise the risk, particularly with players vulnerable to head knocks that lead to concussion. But eliminating these risks would be impossible without changing the game in total. Today we have a unique game that is played in every direction with elite athletes running at full speed and dealing with split-second decisions. This is a blueprint for accidents. History tells us these accidents can be costly in terms of injury. But players will accept a level of risk in the game and they understand there will be some accidents. Some players make their absolute legend by being courageous on an AFL football field. But for how much longer? Now, on Tuesday night, this, this one got me. Carlton defender Lockie Plowman was one of three players who challenged the match review findings from the weekend by seeking a tribunal hearing. Now, unfortunately, he couldn't make his case resonate with the tribunal, nor the appeals board. Both accepted Chris, uh, Michael Christian's view that Plowman bumped Hawthorne's midfielder Jago O'Meara in the marking contest, which left him concussed. The tribunal concluded that Plowman had a chance to spoil but opted to bump. What rubbish. To the football purist, it was just a fantastic and fair collision. Carlton head of football Brad Lloyd maintained Plowman's sole focus was contest the ball and the match review tribunal's decisions were against the fabric of the game. Couldn't have put it better myself. It is unimaginable that a player could miss a grand final for an action such of Plowman's. The AFL's desire to eliminate any risk of concussion is showing the thin edge of a worrying wedge it could go as far as demanding the match review officer take issue with players rising for marks with their knees raised. I've seen it before, saw it in the 2016 prelim final where Western Bulldog Zane Cordy struck Giants captain Callum Ward with a knee to the jaw which concussed him. I saw it in round one when Dan Houston um, collected uh, North Melbourne forward Curtis Taylor with a knee to the head. Now there was nothing to see there, but if we are so paranoid with eradicating accidents... The next step is to eliminate players jumping up with their knee that leads to concussion, which will ruin parts of the game. So this decision, the Ploughman won, and the fallout could be catastrophic. AFL football is at the crossroads. It is in danger of losing fans who will have more reason than ever to say the game is going soft. one 736 736 to have your say on that. Yeah, I've seen people this week on social media try and argue that Lockie Plowman had an alternative option to what he did. The umpire's right there. He called play on. The 50,000 in the stadium, I don't reckon anyone in that real-time moment had an issue with what Lockie Plowman did. Yet when we slow it down 75 times on replay... Sorry if I'm getting a bit upset here this morning, but I'm... 
I'm so concerned about this one decision and what it has and the ramifications for the game. You're young, you're taught to keep your eyes on the ball and have the ball as your sole focus, which Lockie Plowman did, and it's cost him two weeks. And to Carlton's point, it challenges the fabric of the game. And with everything that's going on, and I get it, we're distracted with life at the moment, particularly in Victoria. We cannot let this one be swept under the carpet. It is a horrible decision, and if a player misses a grand final or a big final over a collision, a fair one such as Plowman on O'Meara, there should be an uproar, and there should be an uproar this morning. I'd love your thoughts. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. John's going to kick us off. G'day to you, Johnny. Where's the AFL at with head-high hits? Oh, mate, I, I completely agree. I actually stole a bit of my thunder. I haven't heard it all week until now that my concern is you've got a player, you know, like Jonathan Brown or someone who's who's running into the into the uh, incoming unknown. traffic. Takes yeah. The mark, yeah, unknown, takes the mark of the year. What happens if he, if the bloke in front of him has jumped up with a knee and clicks him in the head or, or he, he runs through the bloke and they have a head clash? Is Jonathan Brown now going to be suspended because he's taken the mark of the year. Mm. So, yeah, so what if Jonathan Brown runs back and does that and his head hits the opponent? Brown's fine, he takes the mark, but his opponent is concussed. His sole focus is on the football. And you teach kids, and for those of you that have coached, what, what do you teach? Just keep, keep your eyes on the ball. Go hard at it. You going harder, you going lower, but you focus on the ball, you'll be okay. You, you cannot say that to kids anymore. You, you can't. And, and that's why I have sympathy for players who are now confused. And the Holman tackle, thank goodness that was overlooked, but that's, a, that's another topic. So we've got players confused about, can I bump? Uh, can I spoil? Can I tackle? It's a, it's a really difficult spot we're in. And I, and I had this argument with Gary Lyon on, on Monday when um, Patrick Dangerfield had the head at high clash with Jake Kelly from the Crows and Dangerfield got three weeks. I said, well, what's more likely to cause risk? A player going for a mark with his knee up that can smack someone in the jaw with more force than what Dangerfield did to Kelly. What, what's more risky? I would argue that a player driving with their knee in a marking contest is riskier. Now, don't for one second do I want to see the high mark gone, but this is the level and these are the options that we're going to get to, and it's not going to surprise me if the AFL start taking that away. Andrew's on the line. Uh, g'day to you, Andrew. Hey, okay. Kane. Why don't the Players Association do something about this? It seems that, I mean, on behalf of the players in the game, I mean, they're quite happy to take money off the players and be have the association yet when anything like this comes up they're silent yeah so they're in a tough spot as well so the AFL Players Association are dealing with players who are suffering from you know, the effects of concussion so they're at, the, they're at the forefront of that so perhaps it would be a little bit critical of them to support the players who are struggling post football life with concussion and look we understand, we understand that, and I, you know, I think the game has you know, never been safer, and I fully support um, the AFL making it safe. But at what point does that get to where you start to challenge what makes our game great? So that is fierce tackling. Well, Holman on Duncan was, was pinged for just a normal run-down tackle. Uh, great fair collisions. Well, Plowman was was um, penalised for, for one like that. There, there just has to be some room for risk. In terms of the AFL Players Association and their role in it, I'm not sure exactly where they sit. Next time we get someone on, we'll ask them their thought on it. Dave's in Elwood. Uh, g'day to you, Dave. Lockie Plowman, your thoughts on his two-week ban? 
Yeah, before I get into that, Kane, I just wanted to ask you a question. Is everything all good with uh, Chompers, if you made up there, or...? Got a bit testy, didn't it? Um, so for, for those that missed it, I was... Uh, I, I did look on with interest, though, that the AFL have actually had a word to Richmond about their complaining, which is pretty much what I was saying on the Sunday football show, with, with which Chompers disagreed with. But we're all good. We're all good, Dave. What do you think of Lockie Plowman? Yeah, I was backing you up, bro. Um, yeah, no, look, he frustrates as a Carlton spotter. He frustrates me at the best of times, Plowman. But I, I feel sorry for him now because, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. He, he cops so much flack. He's like Carlton's punching bag when yep. it comes to his defensive actions. If he had have pulled up in that, that contest, he would have copped it so yep. badly from the media and from Carlton supporters. He's gone full ball in a, a defensive action, and now he's, he's, you know, he's paid the price. So I, I kind of feel a bit sorry for him. And what you're saying, it couldn't be more accurate. He frustrates the life out of me, Lockie Plowman. Some of his, you know, he just looks a bit lackadaisical at times and you know, switched off defensively. And I've been critical, particularly the game against Collingwood, where I reckon he had seven goals kicked on him in the first half. Clearly, that's in his mind. You understand um, when you are a bit of a punching bag for supporters and for the media. So he's, he's done everything right in that moment. I, I couldn't have advised him to do anything better. And he's copped two not not one, not one, but he's copped two weeks. And he's gone to two appeals boards that can't get him off. It's just a, it's a diabolical decision and one that really does start to challenge the fabric of the game and what makes our game so great. Uh, Michael wants to speak about big Aaron Norton, who's flying from the Western Bulldogs. G'day, Mick. Hello. Uh, how are you going, mate? Okay. Good. The, um, the um, issue you raised about marking, I was just thinking about Norton. Imagine... Imagine if that mark he took the other day when he collected English, who put and he put English out for four weeks. Yes. Imagine if that was an opposition player. Well, and so this is the point. Yeah, so I agree. What, where, where does what, what I'm trying to uh, uh, ask and ponder is where does it get to? So you know we've we've ruled out the the Byron Pickett front on or the Michael Long front on in the grand final absolutely correctly, and we've made the game really safe. But there comes to a point where. Certain actions on a footy field are going to be dangerous regardless. And to your point, it's spot on. And we saw it with Cordy and Callum Ward in that 2016 grand final. We saw it with Houston uh, and Taylor in round one. And we saw it with Norton on his own player, who's missed four weeks. So what action is more um, likely to cause harm? I would argue that it's a knee raised in a marking contest that can get someone in the spine or the back of the neck or the jaw. I hope we don't get to it, but I wouldn't be surprised if we do. Michael, it's a really good point. Uh, Chris is in Fairfield. Hello to you, Chris. G'day, Kano. How you going, mate? Good, mate. Um, yeah, I, look, I totally agree with you for all the all the stuff you're saying. Read the, read the game. We can't, even sitting down as a supporter, you just don't know what umpire is going to call what decision, what the players can, what they can't do. And now this plowman stuff is just... You know, it's it's diabolical on the game, and it, it's going down a path where you just don't know what's what you can do as a player. Mm. You also wanted to speak about uh, Clayton Oliver and, and Christian Petrarca and some comparisons I made on Footy Classified. Yeah, definitely. Just the ones along um, Daniel Kerr and Chris Judd, um, Black and Voss. Do you really mm. think those two can get there? And I mean, it's it's just a big call. And I, I was thinking, you know, why did you say that? Yeah, it's it, it is a big call, and I think when you're um, 
on live TV and you're in the moment. And I thought, well, these what was going through my head is that we'll speak about Clayton Oliver and his form on the weekend and probably the best individual game this season against Adelaide. And you got Petrarca, who's a top three player in the game. You think, well, how good can these two get in terms of comparisons before? And you're in that live TV moment, you're thinking, well, who are some of the great duos that we've had before? And I said that Oliver and Petrarca had the potential to, to reach those heights. And it's I don't think it's too far off. Obviously, uh, Voss and Black had the three premierships, but in terms of you know on-field abilities, you know I, I, they don't want for too much. Those two young men, long way to go, but uh, I think they're tracking pretty nicely, and they're going to be a pretty formidable midfield duo for a long time. Thanks, Chris. Let's go to Craig in Croydon South. Hi, Craig. Hello, mate. How are you going? Good. Um, yeah, it's just sort of a bit of echo of the last, uh, well, one of the previous calls you had about Plowman. Um, I'm a Carlton supporter and he's uh, frustrates the hell out of me as well. But when he's good, he's good. And when he's off, he's, you know, he's really off. And Carlton have been slapped around the media a bit this year, you know, been a nice team, you know, mm. don't really go in too hard. And I, mean, I was watching that game and I saw him do that. Mate, I was up out of my seat. I was so wrapped that a bit of mongrel came back into the game from us. And I'm just worried now that as a team, we're not going to produce that type of intent anymore because they're going to be worried that they're going to get rubbed out. Well, yeah, spot on. And I'm, and not just this isn't just a Carlton thing. You know, I'm worried the next player. I saw Jason Johannesson do one of the great rundown tackles late in that game against St Kilda. I'm worried for the next player that starts to question: Am I going to do that? Or can I take this player to the ground? Can I brace in a marking contest? Oh, so just the, the uncertainty and the confusion is where I have some real sympathy for players. And look, it's okay when, you know, it's not okay, but it's it's less of an issue when Plowman misses a, a home and away game that he was going to miss anyway with a knee injury. What happens in a final? It's just, that's where I start to ponder um, how far we've taken this paranoia uh, over the head. James, Tim, Mick, Rod... All we will get to you. Sam on the text line, 100% agree, Volcano. Joel says, I've been saying this for years, Kane. The AFL will be dead by 2050. Aaron says, morning, Kane. Jury members David Neitz, Richard Loveridge and Wayne Henwood found Plowman came to a contest at speed, was aware of O'Meara, while O'Meara was not aware of him. It is Locker's duty of care to have O'Meara aware of his surroundings. Such subpar response from mine, a genuine footy contest that has been punished. It's 20 minutes past nine o'clock. If you're just tuning into us, um, Victoria's COVID numbers are through four locally acquired cases, two overseas, 47,000 tests well done to all the Victorians that got tested and 17,000 vaccine doses administered yesterday. We'll hear from um, the uh, government press conference whenever that comes to hand this morning. But back to your calls after this. Captain's run. 26 minutes past nine o'clock. I'm broadcasting from my, my home at the moment. So if you hear my dogs go off, I apologise for that. They are not well behaved. They are not well trained and they may start to bark at any moment. So apologies in advance. Let's get to your calls because so many people want to have their say on the tribunal findings from the week, including James in South Melbourne. G'day, James. Good morning, Volcano. How are you? I'm good, buddy. Lovely. Look, first of all, we loved your career. We're a Hawthorne family, but we followed you closely. And um, for a man of your size, what you brought uh, every week with your mental toughness, 
and uh, what you achieved was outstanding. So well done, sir. Thank you, mate. Now, secondly, um, there are a lot of us listen to, to football talkback, and we love the fact that you actually call a spade a spade, so don't stop, keep that coming. Um, now, finally, the, the AFL, the evil power of power. I've never watched so much NRL for the pure contest. They've cleaned that sport up. Even, even with accidental head-high contact, they still allow the game to flow without over-officiating. The AFL are doing their best to turn people off and destroy the fabric of this game that I've watched closely. I'm 53, and it's almost unwatchable where the physical contest is not allowed anymore, Kane. And that's what I'm concerned about, that uh, moment by moment, you know, it's like a thousand paper cuts. So you take that away, then you take that away, then you take a tackle away, then you take a fair um, bump away. Uh, that, that's what I'm most concerned about. Where does it get to? the point where we take the high mark away. And people can laugh and call it alarmist or whatever you want to say, but raising a knee in a marking contest to take a specky has more risk to do harm or potential to do harm than what Lockie Plowman did, which cost himself two weeks. Uh, Mick's in Hastings. What's your thoughts on the findings, Mick? Okay. Mate, I've got to say, when you work it out, Lockie Plowman got two weeks for a football act and that grub Hardigan... It's three weeks for deliberately elbowing a bloke in the head. Behind not play. Serious. And behind play, exactly. He, he hid behind Harry Mackay until uh, uh, till he got close to him and then he knocked him down with the elbow. He's lucky he's a tough player, that young Walsh, because if he's not, if he, if he hit him properly and knocked him out, I can't believe he only got three weeks for that. Like He should have got mm. at least eight because talking about the head, Everybody hitting above the head, it's illegal now. You're not allowed to do it. Everybody knows, yet he's deliberately done it. Not, no thought, nothing at all. Just deliberately elbowed him in the head. Lockie Plowman is trying to punch the ball and accidentally hits a bloke in the head, and he only gets a week less than a deliberate act. It doesn't make sense. The AFL are absolutely ridiculous at the moment, and they've got to do something about it, or it's going to just ruin the whole game. Yeah, so and a lot of texts coming through about Harbrow from the Gold Coast on Gibbons um, and that having nothing. So just, just the weight on the result of the action is too far to your point. And your point is that Sam Walsh gets up, so Hardigan only gets three. O'Meara doesn't get up, so Plowman gets two. I mean, it's too far weighted on not the act, but the outcome. We'll get to Rod, Dano, Sam and John and a whole heap of your text messages after the all-important 9.30 news headlines. Got to get to St Kilda as well, which we will do this morning. What about Brett Ratton? God love him. Um, speaking tough about making changes. Well, it, let's have a listen to, we'll get back to your call shortly. I know a lot of people want to have their say about the MRO, but Saints fans, I was interested in this from Brett Ratton after the game. We can't just keep going with this. You know, a good quarter here or there, players that aren't performing will have to, they'll have to go back to the twos. We've got some players in, in pretty good form in their reserves and we'll have to make some changes because we can't have that. So what changes did they make when the teams were announced yesterday? The omissions, Loney and Bytel. So, yeah, I'm not sure the talking tough was backed up with the actions at selections. Of course, they had a couple of injuries, but the two players that have paid the price are probably the two most obvious ones that you would have thought, and not one significant named 
was left out from that putrid performance from St Kilda last Saturday night. Saints fans, you can have you say on that. Rod's been waiting patiently. Rod, what would you make of the two-match ban for Lockie Plowman? Morning, Kane. Thanks for bringing it up, mate. Um, as a Carlton fan, I've got to admit, I've seen the David Asprey elbow to Plowman's right side of his neck. It was right in front of us. And I thought that was a lot more intentional and severe. Whereas this one, I find, like all your callers are saying, is that's what we go to the football for. It's part of the contest. They're taking it out of the game and they're ruining the game. That's my opinion. Good on you, Rod. Appreciate it. A lot of people lining up. Dano's one of those in South Yarra. Christian Petrarca and Clayton Oliver. How good can they be, Dano? Oh, Kano, just uh, first things first, I just want to say um, what you've been saying about Richmond. You know, us fans of small clubs in Melbourne have been saying this for years. If it's not Richmond, it's Collingwood. If it's not Collingwood, it's Hawthorne. They always get 15 games of the MCG. And the fans of the small clubs just miss out. But you know what? They're always going to find a way to complain and think that they're the ones getting hard done by. Mm. But um, the thing I wanted to say about Clayton Oliver and Christian Petrarca is I think you're right about saying that they, they, they could be the next Kerr and Judd. But I think you're missing one as well. And we've got Max Gorn, who's probably like the Dean Cox as well. And I think mm. with the elite defence the relentless midfield and the shaky forward line. Do you think the um, the Ds this year are shaping up to look like the 2005-2006 Eagles? <sighs> I d- look, I, I love the way that they're playing in terms of the way that they're all in. And, I mean, that's that's the intangible, isn't it? Are you all in? What do you do when the opposition have got the ball? How quickly do you switch on? Melbourne are doing that better than ever. I hope they don't get too conservative is all I would say. I listened to Simon Goodwin at halftime of that Crows game and he said, look... We're take, I'm paraphrasing here, I can't remember exactly, but his theme was we're, we're almost taking too many risks with the ball, which makes it difficult for us to, to defend when we turn the ball over. I hope they don't lose some attacking flair because their issues last year and when they've struggled has been those entries going in and the fact that they're so messy with their efficiency going inside forward 50, which has been a strength this year. So I hope he doesn't get too paranoid about defensive aspects of the game and I hope there's a good balance there. But yeah, Gorn's a best Ruckman by a mile in the game and Petrarca and Oliver, um, I think they could be anything particularly if Oliver continues to kick the ball like he's doing more so than handball. Sam's on the line, Marlon Pickett also got a week, Sam, your thoughts on that one? G'day Kane, how you going mate, right? Good buddy um, I, think that's, I think that's the worst suspension of the lot that's just a late head high tackle or a rough tackle, it's a free kick or a 50 metre penalty or maybe a fine it's not even a fine, it's a late it's a late head on tackle. How's that I, one week? Yeah, so I thought all three would get off. So I was like, well done to all of you. It, look, it was it was stupid. It was clumsy what Pickett did. But to your point as well, there is rules in the game where an action can just be a free kick or just a 50. Not everything has to be suspendable. And that was, I'm with you. It was, I don't know what he was doing. It was a brain fade. It was stupid. I have less sympathy for him than I do Plowman because it was it was just unnecessary and you know there was no reason to do it. It was a bit of a cheap shot. But in terms of how severe it was, it was a it was a free kick. Uh, I'm with you. And I I was also shocked that he didn't get off uh, when they challenged that. It's not a bad point you make. John, um how's the game, John, in your eyes? Uh good morning, Kane. Kane, um look look I'm a football lover. I've always loved the game. Um 
I'm 60 years old, so I've been seeing a lot of games uh, since I was 9 and 10, Kane. But it's a different game, Kane. It's slowly changing. It's worrying signs. Uh, they, they're starting to blame the pandemic for the crowds. No, no, no. That's just a washover. Mm. People are getting frustrated, Kane, because is there ever been a year of uncertainty from the umpires, from the tackles, etc., etc.? It's just confusing, and um, don't worry about the fabric of the game, Kane. That's already gone. I mean, I'm one of those at that 50 uh, that stand on the mark. Stand, stand, and they move, and it's 50-metre penalty, and, and then they don't want high tackles and dangerous tackles because but they want to speed up the game, Kane. You know, they want to oh. speed up the game, but they want to take away the, 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 the high-speed tackles. Which way do you want to go, AFL, mm. please? Mm. Yeah, that's what. Look, I, I I love the game, and I will watch it when it's on TV, and I will go to the game, and I will enjoy it. And I, I, I don't want to bash. I don't want to be a bashing exercise. But what I am concerned about is what happens if we continue to try and eradicate accidents, and to your point, make players stand on the mark like idiots that they can't move. Like, t- tell me how that's been good for the game. The, the, the stand rules. It's one of the most ridiculous and embarrassing rules I've ever seen. In essence, I love the game, but I'm just concerned we are trying to be too in control of a game that is always going to have some accidents. And I just thought, uh, I watched Lockie Plowman and we spoke about it on the Sunday footy show and Damien Barrett said, what do you reckon? I said, oh, what, what are you talking about? He will, he will be absolutely fine. Like, he did everything right. And he got two weeks, um, which is which is a, just a woeful decision, in, in my opinion. Sam's in Croydon. What was your thoughts on it? Hey, Sugar, how are you going? Good, buddy. Um, I didn't, yeah, I'm a little bit against you a little bit. The first time I saw it, I thought, oh, yeah, that's fine. But I've watched it a couple of times. He never put his... If As a defender, you've, I mean, have a look at you know the Jake Levers and uh, Sam Mays. Uh, the Alex Francis of the world, they, they try to punch the ball. He didn't try and punch the ball at all. So I think he deserved what he got. So so, so you said something there which, which is a part of the issue as well. So you watched it in real time, it was fine, as the umpire did, who's 10 metres away. When you slow it down frame by frame and you watch it 76 times on replay, you can always pick something out. I, I urge the match review officer, to watch it in real time and then tell me what other options he had. So he's, run, he's running at full speed. Oh, am I going to get there? Am I not? I'm going to brace. Like, you should be allowed to brace yourself so that you don't get injured in, in a game. I mean, it's a natural instinct to do that, which is what I thought he did. He forces a fair contest. Yeah, in an ideal world, put your hand out and punch the ball. But we're talking about players running flat stick in that moment making split-second decisions and we go back and watch it on replay, frame by frame, and think, well, oh, you should have done that. You know, that's, that's pretty tough um, to be able to do that in that moment. Looks a lot easier on replay. Uh, Phil is in Hopper's Crossing. Your thoughts on it, Phil? G'day, mate. How are you? Good, thanks. The, the, um, I'm an Essendon supporter, but uh, I reckon what they've done to that kid is a disgrace. Um, he, he should have been commended for not pulling out of the contest it was, it was a fair bump. It's been a, a highlight, the part of our game for 100 years. Uh, and now almost every fortnight we have a, a, a discussion about changing a real... God, fair dinkum. What's mm. the AFL doing? 
Yep, uh, that's what we're asking this morning, and that's what we'd love for you to join in this morning. Uh, just this in from Melbourne, breaking at the moment, as of Friday morning, all Melbourne players and football staff have received negative uh, coronavirus tests. Players and staff are now clear to attend the club's Round 11 game with Western Bulldogs. Of course, that's tonight. As we heard on Gary and Tim this morning from Alan Richardson, the player who attended a Tier 1 exposure site will continue to undertake his 14-day isolation as per government regulation. Uh, while Friday night's game will go ahead as scheduled, there'll be no crowds in attendance. We know that due to the seven-day lockdown. Fans can watch the game, which is the opening game of Sir Doug Nichols' round on Channel 7, Fox Footy and KO, but more importantly, right here on AFL Nation from 6 o'clock. Dan's in Geelong. Your thoughts, Dan? Um, good morning. I just... Um, sorry, I only switched on just then, so I've sort of been catching the last bits of everyone's conversations, but... I mean, in regards to the standing uh, on the mark and not being able to move, it certainly isn't a good look to watch. But, geez, the player being able to move around the man on the mark and keep moving the ball forward is, is certainly helping with congestion. And, and I think that, yeah, it doesn't look really nice, the guy standing there like you know, an idiot, not being able to move. But I think it has allowed a few more one-on-one matchups and more scores and um, yeah, a bit more flow in the game. Have your say on that, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Thank you to you, Dan. Big show coming up. Stick around. We'll hear from um, the Victorian government whenever they hold their media conference. Just repeating four locally acquired cases today. Record tests throughout the whole pandemic yesterday in Victoria. Over 47,000 people got tested. So congratulations to you. That is good news as far as I can tell in my uneducated opinion this morning. It's 18 minutes to 10. Back with more sport on the other side of this. 13 minutes to 10 o'clock, just repeating the news, and it's good news for tonight's game and for the Melbourne Footy Club. All Melbourne players, including the player that was exposed to a Tier 1 exposure site, have tested negative. Game on tonight, which is good news. Who wins? Let us know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Pete joins us from Hobart. Uh, who You want to speak about the bump and the tackle, mate, and your thoughts on that? Yeah, good. Good, okay. Um, you know, it's, it's more in relation to the brown light, and it's best and fairest. Now, Plowman's obviously not, in, not eligible for the brown light now. That had nothing to do with fairness, that had nothing to do with viciousness. It was an accident. And mm. if that was Montempelli or, or Martin or Petrarca, it would be a travesty if they missed out on the brown light simply because of a good tackle or, or, or a bump that didn't quite come off. Uh, so I think they've got to start... They've got to start looking at the, the fairness component of brown and just make it the best if you're going to have people suspended for things like this. Yes, it's a very good suggestion. It's been a, a long-time rule in the Brownlow medal and, and you would think it's more in there for uh, incidents such as what Hardigan did to Sam Walsh in terms of the fairness aspect. What Lockie Plowman did was fair. And if he missed the Brownlow, not that... No, we're in danger of that, but your point on the game's stars and Dangerfield's already been rubbed out this year for an incident that had no ill intent or no malice behind it and he's ineligible to win the Brownlow. Um, it doesn't seem right, Mark. Maybe a look at that rule is is a good one. Mark is on the line in Aspendale. G'day, Mark. G'day, Kane. Uh, Connor Rosie, he's lacking a, a bit of form the last couple of weeks. Do they put him in a different position or should they have dropped him this week? Yeah, he's, uh, he's not in, he hasn't been in good form. He's not influencing the game like he needs to. Uh, 
Should he have been dropped? No. Um, he's he's a star of the game. You don't drop them. You back them in, which they've done. I think he'll play more midfield time, which you would welcome. Pretty tough position to play that half-forward role when you're not in great form. You can get a bit lost. So hopefully he gets more midfield minutes. Thank you to you, Mark. Uh, AK's in Brunswick. G'day, you, AK. How you going, champ? I'm good. That's good, mate. Mate, I'm a Hawthorne supporter, and I'll be honest with you. I think, mate, that bump on the weekend, that's, that's ridiculous. What do you want the guy to do? Like, is, is our game getting soft, or, or is, I don't know. And then that tackle gets the um, do, uh, Duncan. Geelong game. Duncan, what, what do you want him to do? Mm. How's our game? Where's that guy going? Seriously, mm. where is our game going? Now, if you want him just to stop there and then take, Amira takes the mark, or you want... Duncan just to go roll around and just kick it into the port. Where's our game going? Look, I'll be honest with you. I'm getting sick of watching the AFL. I'd rather watch the NRL because it's just our game's getting. They're changing the rule. Then they report him. Like he gets two weeks, he gets uh, off. I just think it's both. Like he, he should have like he should even go to the tribunal. It's just ridiculous. I honestly think our game's has changed that bad. It's just. You don't want to watch it anymore. Mm. Okay, the, the players aren't getting soft, and I certainly don't want to be one of those um, you know, old dinosaurs that says the players absolutely are not getting soft. They have never been tougher. They've never tackled the ball harder. They've never been more ferocious in their tackling. The game is getting soft, and there's a difference there, to your point. Paul's in Kensington. Uh, what was your thoughts on the ploughman bump? Oh, g'day, Kane. Um, yeah, first time, long time. Well. Um, just, just a little confused about um, if Plowman's running for the ball, he sees the ball in his line of sight, he sees the player, he's a slightly bigger player, his shoulder hits the head. If the shoulder hits the head, doesn't that mean that he's going to have to get weeks or eight weeks? So you support the decision? I just think that the players, um, they need that level of protection. And, yeah, I, 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 I do. Not two weeks. I, I think a week. Okay, that's a, a different view there from Paul, and that's okay if you share that view. And, yeah, look, he's not the only one on social media. I think Daniel Harford you know, tweeted me and said it was absolutely the right call. I think Mark Robinson has written an article about it in the Herald Sun today saying absolutely it's the right call I could not disagree anymore I just thought it was a magnificent football collision and would be up in arms if a player missed a final or a grand final for one such as that I've got sympathy for the players it's eight minutes to ten o'clock we're up and running on the captain's run we'll get to Jason on the other side of this and a whole heap of your texts coming through on the temper text for a mattress like no other yeah three minutes to ten o'clock broadcasting from home I had to stick around until I got a negative result um, coming back from Victoria, which came through this morning. So all good. Apologies as well. I mean, South Australia sends the virus over and then is the first one to shut the borders out. There's some irony involved in that. But we are here to talk about sport. We will address the Victorian announcements. We'll take you there live whenever that happens. Jason is in Doncaster. The Brownlow rules and eligibility, Jace. Your thoughts? How are you, mate? That call before was absolutely spot on with the Brownlow. We have a clear definition now. It's the best and fairest, and we have a clear definition of careless and intentional. So it's a pretty obvious thing. If you are intentional, you lose your right to win the Brownlow, and if you mm -hmm. are careless, you don't. That would be my opinion. And every 
suspension is graded on that. So if you get a week and you're intentional, fair enough, you lose your eligibility. Well, and I, I wouldn't disagree. With, I think you, I think you've made it as, sim, as simple as you can because you also lose the week that you're out or weeks that you're out two poll votes as well. So there's that as well. So if it's intentional, you're out, can't win it. If it's careless or other, you're still eligible for Brownlow. I would absolutely support that. It's a really good point you make. Uh, let's quickly sneak in Steve before the 10 o'clock news. Hi, Steve. Hello. You're on, mate. You've got about 40 seconds on Tipper. You want to have your say on him? Yes, yes. Um, Malcolm Blight said no one goes to the footy to see bumps or tackles or anything like that. If you ever go to an Essendon game and uh, you'll hear a bigger roar when Tipper chases someone down or goes near the footy or anything like that. So I disagree that no one goes to the footy to see bumps or tackles because I cheat harder for holding the ball than I do for a job. Yeah, I disagree with Blighty on that as well. I, I'd go to the footy um, to watch Cozzy Pickett, uh, even when he doesn't have the footy in his hands. Like the, you, you can sense that anticipation whenever he goes near it, and that can be defensively. I would have done the same with Cyril. So, yeah, I would disagree with Blighty's take on that. It is Indigenous Round, which kicks off tonight as well. I'm really... Uh, I'd love to celebrate some of the game's greatest Indigenous players. Who are your favourites? 0433 In fact, who is your favourite? Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Yeah, it's good morning to you. If you're just tuning in to us, it is three minutes past 10 o'clock. Big show coming up. We'll take the Vic COVID press conference whenever that happens and keep you updated. We won't stay with it long. We'll just give you the details that you need to know and then we'll get back to talking about sport, which we are here to do through until 12 o'clock. There's a fair bit around as well. We'll get the quiz. We've got Josh Carr coming up. Um, and we'll continue to take your calls right through until 12 o'clock, one 736 736 Very shortly, Kao Toomey from the AFL ahead of the mid-season draft. Coming up, but thought now we'd cross to Simon Love, who's from Channel 10 News. He's out at the Cranbourne, vac- uh, Cranbourne Racecourse, that is. There's a vaccination centre out there. Uh, Simon, thanks for your time, mate. What are the scenes like out there? Pan us a picture. Yeah, it's very interesting, Kane. I mean, usually, you know, Cranbourne races on a weekend pumping. you got, you know, the betting rings heaving and there's lots of punters. But the car park's absolutely full, We're not with punters as such, but with um, the people of the South East. They're down here uh, all lining up to get their vaccines. And it's really ramped up today because those aged between 40 and 49 are now able to make a booking to rock up and get a Pfizer dose, which is obviously um, good news for the vaccine rollout. Um, but, yeah, it's just interesting to see a major sporting venue like, um, you know, the Cranbourne Racecourse, a very good and well-refurbished racecourse, be literally transformed into nearly a hospital to um, to have this major effort going underway. And the, the queues are heaving. Like I'd say to people, if you're in the area... Come on down. If you're over 50, you can walk up and uh, and wait up to about two hours to get the jab. But um, if you're under 50, you can certainly ring the Department of Health if the hotline's because the hotline is working. There's been some reports that the hotline's not been working this morning, but hopefully that's been fixed and you can make a booking. Good news. Good to see so many people turning out to get their jabs. Uh, from a sporting point of view, the fallout is significant. We speak a lot about the AFL fixture. What about State of Origin and the potential to have a venue change? What do you know? Well, it's, it, it is a potential at the moment, Kane. Um, the government, the Victorian government, did the deal with the ARL and the NRL to have Game 1 in Melbourne. But 
that's something that the state government are really trying to lock in with the NRL because obviously you've got the Maroons, you've got the Blues up north. They can make a decision to not fly to Melbourne and say, no, we're not going down there. We want to play the game somewhere in the northern states. And certainly Anastasia Palaszczuk and the Queensland government and the Townsville, they're trying to make some moves to get game one shifted up there. I mean, it'd be a huge loss to Melbourne if game one was to move. But I know that the uh, tourism major events minister, Mark Bakula, um, you know, speaking with him in the last little while, he's keen to see the game stay here. But there is a scenario, Kane, that I don't think what will be happening where, say, for instance, game one is swapped with game three. I think the Northern State's pretty keen for game three to be the, uh, you know, be in one of the origin states so that it's a thrilling end of the series. So it's going to be a really interesting watch and see to see if State of Origin, which is slated to be the MCG, on uh, June the 9th, whether that does go ahead at, in Melbourne. Good on you, Simon. Thanks for the update, mate. Cheers, Kane. Simon Love out there at the Cranbourne Race Course. Vaccination centre getting really busy, which is great to see. Uh, Cow Toomey from afl.com.au has been all over the mid-season draft and also the restrictions placed on the VFL, the VFLW and also the NAB League. He joins us. Cow, thanks for your time, mate. Morning, Kane. How are you? I'm good. I guess the I'm just thinking about the VFL being postponed this weekend. You wrote about this yesterday, and the somewhat uh, disadvantage of the Victorian clubs, considering that the Sample's still going ahead, Crows and Port are playing, the Waffle's still going to go ahead. So, the AFL listed players from the Western Australian teams will be running around. Is that coming to calculations with the AFL's thinking an unfair advantage? Do you think? I don't think so at this stage. Maybe if it stretches out a little bit longer than everyone hopes, then that might come into thinking and, and which way clubs can, a little bit like last year, potentially involve themselves in scratch matches, which we're seeing in Brisbane this weekend. The Lions and Giants game will be a scratch match. It was going to be played as a VFL game, but that was uh, stopped for this weekend, as was the Gold Coast match with Aspley uh, in the VFL at Metricon Stadium. So that one was stopped as well. But the ability for the AFL in the coming weeks, if it does stretch out longer than everyone hopes and expects, then there's the potential for to do that. But I don't think at this point it's a, it's about fairness or equality. It's about um, the difficulties in uh, clubs that have obviously shipped out of Victoria at a really quick rate. We know Richmond mm. left with most of their squad uh, to Sydney yesterday. How do they feel to VFL side in that respect and how does that competition keep going So, uh, in that sort of form? So I think it'll be back hopefully very very much sooner rather than later. And the NAB League as well, I mean, got some sympathies because the elite juniors hardly played at all last year. At least they've had, you know, school footy's been going on. But what's what's the latest there with that competition? Yeah, the NAB League, just, it actually just returned last weekend after a bit of a hiatus for three or four weeks, um, a competition recess. So... It's been an interrupted beginning to this year. And, yeah, as you say, we do feel, and I think recruiters really feel for the, the draft class of 2021 because they missed all of their 17th year. I know a lot of recruiters came look at the 17th year as the most important year in a mm. kid's development before he hits the AFL. Not just the draft year of 18, but the 17th year of getting things ready, getting primed and athletically strengthened and understanding where your body's at and what you can do really well and then hitting your draft year with that knowledge. So those guys missed all of that. They've had an interrupted start to this year again. So for their sake, and look, to be honest with you, speaking to clubs about this year's draft class, I think we've seen a slower uptake of 
of this year's talent really starting to emerge because of last year and because of the footy that they missed. So this is a hindrance and a hurdle for them to overcome. And again, uh, we hope to see them back out towards the end of the season or later in the season because uh, the, this year's under-19 championships will actually be played at the end of the year. And hopefully by then, or at least in the next coming weeks, we'll get to see a little bit more of these draft prospects back out there. Now, afl.com.au will have extensive coverage of next Wednesday's mid-season draft. There'll be all sorts of uh, coverage of that. So check that out if you need in the lead-up and on the day. Uh, what can you tell us? The Ruse will open the batting. Who are they going to pick? They'll pick Jacob Edwards, Kane, and he's clearly the, the best prospect to emerge in the mid-season pool. A 202-centimetre key forward slash ruckman. A really nice kick of the footy. He's great at ground level. He's good in the air. I was actually there the day that he first emerged when recruiters first laid eyes on him uh, mm. in March at a practice game. It was an intra-club game with the Sandringham Dragons. They're playing you know, extended squads. Uh, and all of a sudden, this 202-centimetre bloke popped up and took a three or four marks overhead. And I remember speaking to clubs that day, and they're all saying, well, who is this guy? And can we pick him for the mid-season draft? Did he nominate last year? He was overlooked last year. So that means he's eligible for this year's mid-season draft. And it's a great result for North Melbourne to go with him because... Uh, obviously uh, could add to their, their key forward stocks. They went with the midfield draft last year in the national draft, knowing that also uh, they'd probably have a pretty early pick in the mid-season draft this time round. And, and yeah, Jacob Edwards is the standout. Beyond there, it gets a little bit blurry. I mean, mm. we know the Hawks at this point have picked two. Uh, Ned Moyle has been really closely linked to them, a ruckman from the Oakley Chargers. They're also interested in John Newcomb, who... Uh, I raised some eyebrows this week when he put some extra terms on his head. He's the only player in the 600-player draft pool to actually do that. So that was an interesting side story and it makes everyone think the Hawks are keen on him given his relationship with uh, Sam Mitchell, who's coaching so him at the Box Hill it? Hawks. He's uh, it's a long the... term and it's, and, it's good, and it's pretty good rates as well. So it certainly means that most people look at it and say, well, you're not doing that unless you've no. got a club who's keen to get you through. And at the moment, the Hawks only have one pick, but they can put James Sisley to their long-term injury list uh, in coming days and, and open up another. So uh, it'd be an, an opportunity for them to potentially push him through to their second selection. He does have some other interest out there, though, so that's probably the reason why he's done that. Um, there are some other players who are pushing for that top group. Uh, we've we've you know, heard a lot about Tyson Stengel and Collingwood. Also, Ash Johnson. I know Mitch Cleary wrote that on afl.com.au this week. About Ash Johnson and the Pies and, and Gold Coast having some interest there. You know, the Suns will look for some Ruckman. We've been writing about Michael Knoll and Wiley Buzzer being in their, in their sort of calculations as well. So a lot of names fighting about. And I think we'll have about 15, 16 selections uh, on Wednesday next week. It's going to be exciting. Looking forward to that. I want to ask you about Hawthorne because I've been strong on the fact that they just need to get as many high-end draft picks as they can and of the firm belief premierships are won on draft night. What can they do? I know they've got good selections, so it's going to be you know, pick two or three around that mark and then a 20 and a 21. What would you advise them to do in terms of getting up the order. Could you trade out two for two picks inside 12 and then could you do something with 21 and 22 and perhaps a, a future pick to you know, do similar to what Melbourne did with, with Pickett and Jackson and just get two elite kids in ASAP? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? And as you mentioned, Melbourne's such a great example of buying in the now and working out the, the rest a little bit later down the track. And players always leave, players change clubs, opportunities down the track can open up to bring in selections and picks that you might not have thought or predicted a year before. So I'm, I'm big like you, Arcane, to, to make it happen now. Go really mm. strong at one or two drafts 
and say, well, let's over a period of two or three years pick up 10 ticks inside the top 30. Now, how do we make that happen? And clearly, I've got some, some players who are still um, tradable commodities. And although contracted, there's the likes of Jago Mira and, and Tom Mitchell who continue to be thrown up. They're the main guys that you look at the, the Hawks list. But I'm a, a bit like, you know, I think it's probably the most uh, uninspiring list in the competition in terms of young talent. We haven't seen Denver Granger Barras yet, so he will come through from last year's draft and be a really good long-term key defender. Will Day is injured at the moment, but they haven't really invested in the draft for a long time at, with the sort of strength and numbers that other clubs have. So in terms of packaging picks, that is a really good way that clubs can do that, but you have to find a buyer. And at the moment, I think you'd struggle to find a, a club that wants to tip out of the top 10 to two early second-round picks just because of the way this year's draft pool is looking. Uh, because there's a really good group at the top and then it maybe becomes a little bit more hazy after that at this stage. As I mentioned before, the under-18 championships or under-19 championships this year won't be played to the end of the year. So I don't know how much we're going to be really clear on this year's draft group and where they sit until the end of the season. In saying that, you have to be creative and the Demons have shown that there's real bonuses for doing that and targeting clubs like that and making some selections in the now. The other one for me as well that I'm, we're all interested in is Collingwood and just you know, exactly where they're at in terms of you know their coach and off-field, but also their playing stocks. Are they are they rebuilding? Are they still all in? What do they do at the draft? So, so Dacos is the one that they will get. Does it mean they have to go into a points deficit to get him? And what are the ramifications for that for the, the layman that's trying to follow along a pretty complicated process? Yeah, you speak of the layman and complicated. It's, it's as complex as you get. In very simple terms, at the moment, they don't have enough points to match a bid for Nick Dacos, which will come at pick one or two. There's no doubt about that at the moment. He's, he's the best player in the country and on absolute fire. I think he's averaging 40-odd touches in the NAB League and a couple of goals. So he's clearly the best player in it. Uh, at this point, if a bid comes at one or two, they don't have enough points to do that. So that would mean they go into a points deficit. However, there are ways to get around that. One, you can trade out a player uh, and pick up some more points in this year's upcoming trade period. So that's one way to do it. Otherwise, you could also go into a points deficit, but trade out your first pick next year, and then your deficit comes off what becomes your first pick next year, which is actually going to be your second-round selection. So right. it would they have some levers and mechanisms to do it and to not cost themselves an arm and a leg to make it happen to match it. However, the reality is that Nick Dacos will end up at Collingwood and he's going to be the best player in this year's draft. And he, he's probably the most dominant player I've seen in terms of the opening month or two of the season of any draft I've watched. And that includes Matt Rowell, Sam Walsh, all these wow. types of guys. So uh, he is uh, an extraordinary talent. So it's okay to be paying a little bit overs to get someone like that. But there are abilities for them to go into a deficit but also keep their first pick and make it a tradable commodity. So you could actually trade next year's first pick into this year's draft. Maybe a club might want to tap out of this year's draft. Maybe it could be Hawthorne. Hawthorne could get involved and say, here's some points. Here's Mm. 21 and 22. Uh, Give us your first round pick for next year. That'll help you guys pay for uh, Nick Dacos, but it'll give us another first round pick next year. There's a lot of opportunities for them to do something creative and, and get around it. And before we let you go, so uh, Bontempelli has re-signed. We suspect Patrick Cripps will do the same. A few others off the market. Who's the out-of-contract player or free agent that you're most fascinated by what decision they make this year? I mean, Zach Merritt's clearly the the most newsworthy one and things are going pretty well at Essendon 
I'd, I'd expect from most people's eyes and you'd have to think that if they have another second half of the season like their first half, then that'd be a pretty good tick for the Bombers in the eyes of Zach Merritt. The one that surprises me, and not surprised me, I'm just really intrigued about where it goes from here is Matt Crouch at the Crows because mm. we might not see him fall this year uh, with that groin surgery that he's undertaken. Uh, obviously, his brother Brad left last season. Crouch was dropped in 2020 early in the season, probably didn't regain his best form in that period as well, but he's a restricted free agent. So what do the Crows want to see happen there? Have they started talks? It's been put off until he gets back from injury. However, that's not going to happen until the end of this season now. So it's probably a decision that we see right at the end of the year. And could the Crows um, benefit from picking up a draft pick as, as compensation if he goes somewhere? And which clubs would be interesting? Crouch, give one the injury and the setback and, and where that one sits. So there's that one. And there's also Jack Billings. I think that one is definitely a, a, a washable space because we know Jack Billings in the past has re-signed late in his contract years. He's out of contract this year. He's a restricted free agent. The Saints have tapped out of a couple of drafts now. We look at their list and we say, well, who are their better young players from investing in the draft? And they've clearly tapped out and gone down the trade and free agency route the past couple of seasons. Could it be good for both parties for for Billings to have a look and see what else is out there um, because it could you know occupy a free agency pick for the Saints and it could see him get some opportunities elsewhere because they're into his eighth year this year and still a quality player but uh, unsigned at the Saints beyond this season. Mm. Uh, before that you go mate what what are you doing special for the mid-season draft and what coverage can we expect on on your platform? Yeah, AFL.com.au and the AFL Live official app will be the only place to watch the mid-season NAB AFL draft. So tune in then. It'll be on from 6.30pm Eastern Standard Time through to 8pm. We'll have every pick. We'll be speaking to the draftees, the clubs, all the analysis. Uh, So tune in for that. And and it should be a really enjoyable night. We know that two years ago, we saw Marlon Pickett. We saw Will Snelling. We saw Kyle Dunkley picked up. Uh, There's a few selections that that worked a few selections that didn't it'll be interesting to see which way clubs take and, and which sort of methods they use this time around after a couple of seasons without the mid-season draft so afl.com.au and the afl live official app is the only place to watch the nab afl mid-season rookie draft appreciate your time cow anytime going cheers cow Toomey from afl.com.au joining us this morning on the other side of this Gillam McLaughlin has given his regular Friday uh, interview with 3AW we'll hear the best bits from Gil uh, when we return and what this weekend is looking like and beyond you're listening to the captain's run the numbers one 736 736 if you'd like to join in the conversation on SEN the captain's run with Kane Corns 25 minutes past 10 o'clock after the 10.30 news. We'll hear from Port Adelaide Premiership player and senior assistant coach from Fremantle, Josh Carr, ahead of their game, which has been pushed back 40 minutes in Adelaide on Sunday. Docker's going okay, um, but nothing special. We'll catch up on the feeling out of their camp. Gillan McLaughlin speaks on Fridays on 3AW. As we've heard this morning, they've confirmed tonight's game will go ahead. It is absolutely on, um, and I'm, I'm not trying to run ahead of people, tonight, but I think it's, I think it's appropriate out there that all the play, Melbourne players have tested negative, and that game's going ahead. Good news for what should be a magnificent game of football, unfortunately, in front of no fran- fans, which begs the question, how much is this costing, this lockdown, the AFL, and by extension, the clubs? Uh, it's significant, Neil. Um, 
but it's not as significant as not playing. Um, it has been a dramatic couple of days. I spoke, you know, I'm very, you know, proud of the resilience and the, and the agility of our players, our clubs, our coaches, and, you know, my team have done, I think, an unbelievable job the last couple of days. But they, some of them said it was more complicated in the last 24 hours than potentially any time last year, which is saying something. So there's a significant cost, clearly, whether it's, you know, tonight would have been a complete sellout at, at Marvel Stadium. Everyone's confident in that. That's, you know, probably nearly seven figures. So um, that's just one game alone. Obviously, huge cost not to, in, in Darwin and, and other games. So there is a cost, but there's not as nearly the cost of um, not going ahead. And frankly, the, the broader mission and agenda here is our game is there for our supporters and our people. And, and there's a commitment from the industry to go ahead, obviously for their own livelihoods and sustainability of the industry, but there's a commitment to our supporters uh, to keep pushing ahead in, in what is a cracking season. It's the AFL CEO, Gillian McLaughlin, speaking on 3AW this morning. So they've done a unbelievable job to make sure all nine games go ahead this round but your forecast to next week and and even Adelaide are um, slated to play Collingwood in Adelaide which you wouldn't think can happen so uh, Gil was asked about not just this round but what happens next week no uh, I candidly no when it's a bit like we um Martin Bakula talked about we had a green light for the for the ticking but we we held off just because a bit of gut and a bit of caution and wait. He was going into a meeting and he was trying to be as transparent as he could, but we held off and we have a great dialogue through him with the government and we've got a great dialogue, I hope, with all governments. So I would say we have instincts, Neil, and we are planning for all the contingencies that our instincts and our information tell us, but I don't know. Clearly the, the most informative piece will be how we go in a testing regime and how what the results are in Victoria over the coming days. I've, I've just seen... I think there's four cases overnight after um, 48, um, um, 41,000 um, tests. Yeah. tests. So that's re- instructive, and we'll go away and we make our own assessment of what, what we think with that. We try and, as I said, talk to governments. We talk to others. We talk to charter flights, uh, current airlines, and, and we look at all the state regimes and work out, OK, if, if it goes well here, we'll be playing here. We know that. If things go badly... And I'm not trying to be alarmist. It's just that you're asking what we do. Yeah, of course. We have views. We have daily views with conversations with the government about what we might be able to do to go ahead. Whether we, um, you know, this weekend we're playing uh, an additional two games in in Sydney, so we've got a great relation with New South government. What would be the regime to get additional games up there? And they will change as Victoria changes. So they're sort of daily living, breathing conversations. That was on the prospect of the AFL moving to hubs. You can have your say on any of that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The Victorian government will speak at quarter to 11. We'll, we'll take the key parts of that and bring that to you live, but we won't harbour the point. I'd much rather be here talking with you about sport, and the line is open and available for you. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Let's get to the 10.30 news headlines. A massive game for Fremantle. They come to town to take on Port Adelaide, who haven't been going that well, to be honest, but still sit fifth on the ladder. Fremantle off the back of a very good victory over Sydney. One of the people that we know very, very well from Fremantle is Port Adelaide Premiership star Josh Carr. Curry, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, Kane. Uh, how's your form, Curry? Are you, are you comfortable with how the team's tracking, or what more do you need to see? Oh, I think our form over the last 
two weeks especially has been pretty solid. Um, I think, again, the, the Bombers... Um, we had three pretty good quarters. It was just that last quarter where we let ourselves down. Essendon stepped it up a notch and um, we weren't able to deliver, I guess, under the, the pressure of what Essendon threw at us. Um, and then in a Sydney game, um, I thought it was a really good game from, from both teams. And um, we probably could have been a bit more efficient, I think, going forward inside 50. Um, with our inside, I think we were plus over 20 inside 50s. But um, in the end, we, we still got a result. Under good pressure, tough footy, you know, tough conditions. So it was, um, yeah, quite pleasing to, to come out of that one with a win. Perhaps the turning point of your season? Do you think that one? I mean, it was two-wing and frying, good opponent, um, several lean changes late, and you were good enough to hold on. Could that be the catalyst to get you going? Oh, look, I think there's a lot of learning to take out of it, no doubt about it. And, um, I guess to, we've been, um, when we review the game, um, each week we try and be consistent in the way that we review and um, yeah, probably the previous three weeks before we played Essendon we, we felt like there was a bit of work to be done so I think it was just a bit of affirmation that we've been doing some good things you know, in the Essendon game and then um, in the Sydney game and um, can, you, can keep playing um, I guess our brand of football um, tough around the contest and um, there's no doubt then um, we can uh, keep improving and, and hopefully get, getting more wins. So much going on in Victoria, Kari, clearly with COVID. Has anything changed from a Western Australian point of view? Uh, not at this stage. Um, I, I guess we've obviously got Port this weekend and um, we're able to get into Adelaide and back. And I think the week after we're at the Bulldogs, so who knows what goes on uh, there. But at this stage, we're sort of as normal and um, preparing for, for to travel to Adelaide on Saturday morning. And long term, though, are you guys preparing or perhaps ready to go into a hub if required? Yeah, well, I guess we're ready for anything, really. Um, we've just, you know, before the Essendon game, we spent a week and a half in, in the Gold Coast and, um, you know, anything can get thrown at us. So, yeah, you've got to be ready for it. Um, yeah, meant to prepare for it, but we've been there before, so um, nothing extraordinary. Uh, Nat Fife's form's been a talking point. Curry's accuracy in front of goal particularly, how's it affected him uh, mentally with the inaccuracy that he's had? Oh, look, I, I think he sees it as a challenge for him um, to, to obviously improve his game, which is great, I think, for, to have that challenge at, at his age and also the top player that he is. Uh, but at the same time, I think you have a look at his insults around the contest. It's been um, pretty special, to be honest. I think it was 13 clearances or 12 last week and, um, you know, eight or nine score involvements every week. And so he's still there. He's still amongst it. He's still having a big influence on the playing group and his leadership has been outstanding. So, yeah, that's a, a challenge with his um, goal kicking, but he's doing so many other things right. The cameras captured him getting scans, some talk of a foot injury. Is he Is he fit? He's fit, he's fit, he's all good. He's, um, yeah, it's probably more like a niggle more than anything, to be honest, than he's had it before. Um, and it's nothing really to, to worry about. What sort of captain is he, Carrie? You've played under some, some ripping captains. You're a great leader yourself. He doesn't seem to be um, out there on the ground. What's he like behind the scenes? How does he lead? What's his style? Uh, his style is, I guess it's one, is the way he plays to start off with. You know, the way that he throws. When the game needs to be stepped up in that third quarter, um, if you have a look at some of the um, contests that he was in, the way he threw his body on the ball, um, as a man, everything, uh, he's a pretty inspira inspirational leader. Behind the scenes, he, he's really sort of calm and, um, you know, like the way, I, from what I've seen in the last year, we've only been on the year for just over a year, year and a half, um, it's, the improvements come from 
um, the time that he spends with the young guys improving their game. Um, you know, we've got David Mundy as well, and um, those two with the um, how much they invest in the in the other players has been it's been really good. David Mundy's been in unbelievable form at his age, but where does he sit in terms of the greatest ever when he does eventually retire? <laughs> whether whether that happens or not, he's pretty special. I think you guys probably understand more than anyone that I guess if you're not in Victoria uh, and playing football there, then you probably don't get the recognition you deserve. And there's no doubt that David, if he was playing um, in Victoria with you know obviously nine other teams or ten teams there, um, then he'd be held right at the top. So he keeps delivering um, under pressure. He's always he uses the ball well. He's in the contest and he's so calm and. And then you've got the leadership aspect of as well, of the way that he teaches the, the younger players around him. Um, he's not standing over top of them where they're feeling, you know, should they say something, shouldn't they? He encourages that. He brings out the best. And um, the longer we can have him around, the better. How much longer could he play for? Has he set a, a limit on it? Uh, I don't think there's any, any limit. I think it's just, you know, for him, it's, I guess it's about his body and, uh, and performance. And at this stage, both of those... Um, errors aren't letting down, so um, he'll keep playing, I guess, and, until he's had enough, and then I guess there's the mental aspect as, as well, so um, I can't see him um, putting the white flag up anytime soon, um, but I guess uh, form and, and body dictates um, that Fremantle Senior Assistant Coach Josh Card joining us. Of course, they come to Adelaide to take on Port Adelaide in the late game on Sunday. I do like Justin and yourselves' ability to uh, share the midfield minutes around. I mean, you've exposed these youngsters and Sarong and Brayshaw, who's flying, and also Chera, two significant minutes in the last couple of seasons. Getting that balance right, do you feel you've got it now? Yeah, look, it's definitely um, something that you just got to, I guess, be on top of. You know, like, and I guess the midfield mix as well with um, and this might sound funny, but how many older guys and how many younger guys, I like to try and spread it a bit. So, mm. um, yeah, I think they're going well. Um, it's obviously great having two players like Foffy and Mundy amongst Chera, Brayshaw and Sarong. Um, these guys, you know, just feed off them and, um, you know, Sonny came through the midfield last week with Brayshaw being out and, you know, he had impact on the game and, and I guess it helped his game as well. So, I think the balance is there. Um, it's just, you know, like, Giving the younger guys opportunities to perform under pressure um, with not having you know, Dave and that always um, lifting the, the, the heavy work. And um, I think they've had opportunities to do that, which has been good. Stats would say you're the team the last couple of seasons affected most by injury. Are, are you expecting some reinforcements to come back in the short term, particularly in defence? Yeah, well, Alex Pierce played a half a game um, for, for Peel Thunder last weekend. He'll play again this weekend. Um, he'll just keep building uh, in the waffle. So I think he's important to our group. He's a leader. Um, you know, he's 200 centimetres, so it's nice to have a, have a key back that can play in that position. So he's building. Um, and in the short term, I guess there's, there's probably not any others. Tabernard's 50-50 for this weekend. Um, so hopefully he gets up. Um, but that's probably about it uh, at this stage. And you would have kept a close eye on Port Adelaide. How do you compare this year to last? Yeah, always, always watching Port and, and tracking how, how they're going, and obviously this week uh, especially. Um, look, they're 7-3, and three, so, you know, you couldn't complain too much about where they're at. I, you know, there's been a bit of commentary about their game last weekend, but in the end, they, they still get the result. Um, they've got some really good young talent. You know, Georgie Artis, 
uh, in the in the forward line supporting um, Dixon and and Marshall and uh, you know the different avenues to goal and um, yeah they're their uh, their pressure and their contests when they're playing well is is very good. So we we know what we're we're dealing with this weekend. Pretty special round with Indigenous round, and I know Fremantle's got a pretty rich history with with young and old superstar Indigenous players currently on your list now and in the past. Have you done anything significant, or will you, to to recognise this special round? Yeah, we had the uh, we had a smoking ceremony on Tuesday morning. Um, so that was. Yeah, really special. It was six. I think we we came here at six thirty in the morning, and um, Richard Wally, who's a um, big Freo um, person over here, he he um, yeah did that in front of front of the group. And um, Sonny got up and spoke. Desi Headland spoke about the jumper. Um, so you know, I've been lucky enough to be at two clubs in, in Port and and Freo that um, has a lot of time for for the uh, indigenous culture and the indigenous history that the two clubs have had. So. Um, yeah, it's really special. Kari, love it when you come back to town, mate. Uh, good to speak to you this morning. Hope the family's well and, and good luck against... Take it easy on them, but good luck on Sunday. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, Charles. Thanks, Matt. It's a very good morning to you. Just standing by, the uh, authorities are about to provide a COVID-19 update for Victoria after four new local cases were announced in the last 24 hours. So as soon as that happens, we will take you to that. Uh, don't forget to listen to Your Sporting Life on Sunday from 10am. Sam Edmund talks to former West Coast full forward Peter Subic. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funeral celebrating lives. The number this morning is 1300 736 736 or heaps of texts coming through on 04-3398-1116 for temper. A mattress like no other. I did want to speak about St Kilda um, because they threatened to make significant changes after their pretty horrible performance last Saturday night against the Western Bulldogs. So what did they do? And I looked straight for them when the lineups came out yesterday. They dropped by Tell and Loney, were the only ones that paid the price through poor form. Um, of course, they're playing North Melbourne. So in terms of a team that's under pressure this weekend and who has the most at stake, it's got to be St Kilda. Happy to take your thoughts on anyone else. But Simon Lethlean from the Saints, he spoke during the week um, about all things St Kilda, but he did mention a couple of their youngsters, including that man, Jack Bytel. Yeah, everyone would like Max King and Hunter Clark on their list. Um, you know, Jack Bytel and, and um, Ronnie Burns have been our best, you know, best players the last few weeks. Um, you know, we keep picking kids. We keep playing when we can. He's been the best player the last two weeks. He got dropped, Simon. So, so what is going on, Saints fans? Are you completely switched off? Are you tuned out? One three hundred seven three six seven three six. And did your eyebrows get raised like mine when you saw the changes and? Loney, who's always been you know, the first one probably to pay the price at selection, and Bytel, who, according to the Saints, has been their best player the last two weeks, got dropped. Would be interested in your thoughts on that. And who is the team with the most at stake this weekend? You can have your say and get involved in the show. Is Jack ready there, Benny, on the line, or have you just got that on my screen in terms of the caller? Jack is ready. Sorry to keep you waiting, Jack. I wasn't aware that you were ready to go. Good morning to you. G'day, Jack. No, he's not ready. Uh, I wonder if Steve is ready to go on the line. Have I got you there, Steve? Yes, you have, Kane. Love your show. And Thank I'm you, glad mate. you're giving St Kilt. I'm glad you're giving the Saints a bit of a whack because I'm a very frustrated St Kilt supporter, like a lot of us are. 
The selection criteria is baffling, confusing, and we're going nowhere. And to drop Bytel instead of Hill, who's had probably five bad games, or Seb Bross, is just ridiculous. Well said. I think most Saints fans would agree. I'll get to more of your calls shortly, but let's get to the latest uh, COVID update from the Victorian government. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm joined uh, by the COVID-19 commander. Great to have him back. Uh, the Chief Health Officer and the Deputy Chief Health Officer vaccine. So we've got the full team in terms of questions that you might have. I'll take you through the numbers uh, and also to a request that we will be putting through to the Commonwealth uh, and some engagement I've had with the PM. Uh, so there are 39 active cases of coronavirus in Victoria. Uh, we recorded four new locally acquired cases yesterday. Um, all of those are linked to the current outbreak, which is again a good thing, uh, plus two new cases in hotel quarantine. Uh, we also saw some record numbers, which I want to thank all Victorians. Uh, 47,462 COVID-19 tests were processed yesterday. Uh, that is real proof at how seriously Victorians um, are taking this challenge and how much we've been able to surge up to the system to cater for that demand. But those testing numbers are outstanding and I want to thank uh, all Victorians. Uh, we also administered 17,223 vaccine doses. Uh, this is exactly the sort of numbers uh, we want to see each and every day. So well over uh, 17,000 vaccine doses. Uh, that takes us in Victoria to over 1 million uh, vaccines administered, uh, both through our state sites and through our GP network. So uh, my thanks to everyone. That is a great milestone and we've just got to keep going. Uh, I do have a number of people to thank. Uh, our hardworking testing and vaccinating staff who are pulling uh, long shifts and helping us manage uh, through this extraordinary demand. Our contact tracing teams who are managing thousands and thousands of contacts uh, quickly, calmly, methodically. As I said yesterday, as the Chief Health Officer has said, uh, they, they are moving as fast as they ever have. You know, getting through within 24 hours uh, three rings of uh, generations of cases is just extraordinary. Uh, those who have come forward for testing and for vaccination. And uh, most of all, my thanks to all Victorians uh, for following uh, the circuit breaker restrictions, doing the right thing and helping us to keep our state safe. Uh, those restrictions came into place uh, midnight last night. Uh, as we all know, five reasons uh, for leaving home. Uh, essential goods and services, exercise, care and caregiving, work and schooling if authorised, uh, and, to, and to get your COVID-19 vaccination. I know that this has had a and is having a significant impact on people's lives, uh, but it is all dedicated for our state to get through this outbreak uh, and for our public health team to get ahead of this outbreak. Um, today, our vaccination program opens up to Victorians aged 40 to 49, uh, uh, in addition to all the other eligible groups. Uh, and given that uh, I'm in uh, that age category, I'll be getting my vaccination today uh, and sending a strong message that as soon as you are eligible, uh, please organise a booking, get vaccinated. This is our best and fastest way out of this pandemic. Um, Finally, uh, I want to welcome the, the PM's comments that uh, the Commonwealth will be working hand in glove uh, uh, with Victorian authorities. Um, I, want to, I want to thank him for that. And uh, to that end, there, there is some additional um, assistance uh, that we require. And I'll 
contacted the PM uh, this morning, uh, we'll be putting a formal request through for um, additional ADF staff. So the request will be for around um, 160 ADF staff uh, for at least the next fortnight uh, to assist our authorised officers in door knocking. Door knocking uh, positive cases, uh, door knocking primary close contacts. Um, if we have those um, additional ADF staff uh, pairing up with authorised officers, we're effectively doubling our capacity to do that really important work um, over, the next, uh, over the next few weeks. So, The Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Big last hour coming up. Looking forward to taking your calls and your thoughts on it as well. You can join in the conversation with us. As always, Dwayne's World up after 12. Uh, Bob and Andy and then AFL Nation tonight. The top of the table game between the Western Bulldogs and Melbourne is going ahead as has been confirmed this morning. Um, a lot of action around the sporting globe. A lot of headlines caused by one of the world's top players and the most marketable female athlete in the world, Naomi Osaka, ahead of her media ban at Roland Garros, which gets underway this weekend. To tell us all about it is SEN's tennis expert, Brett Phillips. BP, thanks for your time again, mate. Kane, good morning. Nice to talk. Let's start there, because she uh, raised eyebrows, to put it lightly, when she released a statement on her social media account, basically detailing the fact that she won't be conducting any post-match media conferences. She feels as though uh, it can have a negative effect on players' mental health when journalists ask questions at a vulnerable time. Uh, has that summed it up accurately, and what was your take on it? Look, I think it's a bit of a cop-out, to be totally uh, honest. I heard Gary and Tim having an extensive chat about it today, and it, it was hard for either of them to uh, support Naomi in this regard. I mean, it's it's part of being a sports person. I mean, tennis players do certainly do a, a far bigger volume of media than any other sport that I've um, you know been involved in. And, you know, you play across two weeks, you're, you're talking... Uh, if you go all the way, in Naomi's case, you've done it four times. You're talking, you know, seven times in a fortnight. We compare that to an AFL coach who does a, what, a media conference during the week and speaks after the match on the weekend. So mm. there's a, a lot of press conferences. Some of them are pretty mundane. Yes, the journalists uh, in tennis have some off days <laughs> where they do ask some ridiculous questions. And they, they're actually trying to be a little left field at times and go outside just forehands and backhands and volleys because it can get a bit monotonous in trying to assess a player's game you know from two days to the next two days to the next two days so you're trying to dig a little bit deeper and and she's you know used that platform to her advantage Kane in the last couple of years as she sort of come out of her shell and grown as a person she you know was very shy she's always been a bit quirky uh, but she's been able to uh, use that platform to really advocate some, you know, strong thoughts and opinions she's got on the world. So, uh, look, I don't, I can't recall a situation where she's sort of been pulled apart um, in terms of her performance. I mean, there's been obviously some times where she hasn't been in the best of form, and you've got to cop those questions. But to have a total media ban, I probably think more about her fans. I mean, she's got obviously a huge social media platform which she can do whatever she likes with and she's earning the most money of any female athlete in the world right now so if she's 
going to get a fine. She'll just uh, cop that. But maybe the maybe um, the Grand Slams need to come down a lot harder on that and say, well, it's not just going to be the five ten thousand dollar fine. We're going to increase it uh, significantly. So, yeah, the fans want to hear from her, and it, I don't know. I, I'll get a feeling this might reverse in the next uh, few days. Uh, and her management, I'm not sure what advice she's been given, but maybe not the soundest advice. Yeah, and I, and I hope other athletes don't follow suit. I mean, we've seen uh, similar, I guess, but uh, to a lesser extent, I think Chad Wingard sort of put a media ban on himself from, from an AFL perspective around about this time last year. So hopefully more athletes don't follow because we need the athletes to grow the sport clearly. Um, but what can they do? I mean, what options do they have, the governing body? I mean, she would pick up $5,000 between her seats in her car. Like, that's not going to put a dent into anything for her. Yeah, well, maybe they need to come down uh, a lot harder in terms of uh, a bigger fine. Does it then maybe translate into, you know, an on-court penalty, as an example? I mean, it is part of, um, you know, part of their job. I mean, if she can learn one thing, maybe go and have a chat to Venus Williams. Uh, Venus has been doing this for over 20 years. Now, I've been to a few Venus's press conferences where she now starts to sit sideways, Kane, and just gives you one word, hoping that uh, all of you will just uh, not you know, want to interview me so I can walk out. I think I, I was in Singapore, actually, when she played the WTA finals. We counted and went 39 seconds of press. So she just wanted to say nothing. She knew she had to turn up. All she had to do was sit down so she didn't get fined, but she offered absolutely nothing, which is her right to do. Um, but, yeah, I, you, you just gotta, you, you're just going to cop it. I mean, look, generally across her career, I mean, the press conferences with Naomi Osaka have been pretty good because she's been uh, been a winner more often than not. And they're, um, they're not uh, devastating press conferences for her own mindset, I would think. So I'm yeah, a little bit confused about this one, but she is different the way she goes about things. But we'll see where this goes over the next few days. We will. So let's talk about the on-court action. We'll particularly focus on our Aussies. First round tough for Alexi Popper, and he's taking on the best that's ever played on this court in, in Rafa Nadal. So you wouldn't give him much of a hope. But what about the others? What else can we look forward to? Yeah, look, that certainly came out overnight. Um, you know, women's side, Barty with Pera, I think she'll get through that comfortably. Astra Sharma's going to have a qualifier. So sometimes that can be tricky. Uh, Tom Lanovich not in the best of form at the moment. It's got Kozlova, the Ukrainians. That's probably a fairly uh, even matchup. You call it a, a 50-50 as far as the men go. I mean, James Duckworth hasn't played a lot in the last couple of months. Caruso, Italian, Clay, uh, they're pretty good. Uh, Demonel's got another Italian, Travaglia, who's a really decent player. That's tricky as well. Milman's got Magier, another Italian. I mean, they've got 10 inside the top 100 from Italy, wow. so they're flying, particularly on the clay. It's going to be tough to beat them. Uh, Thompson's got Muna. He's a tough Spaniard. He's also grown up on the clay. And uh, Chris O'Connell, back after missing a couple of months with an ankle, um, he's going to play Tommy Paul, who I think is playing in Italy in a semi-final coming up later tonight. So that, that's a fairly even matchup. Both of those have played a lot more, a bit of hard-court tennis and clay-court tennis. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, we've got one Australian left in qualifying. Uh, Storm Sanders is going to play later tonight, Kane. She should get through on paper, which would be great for her because out of all our young female players, she's had the best growth uh, this year and certainly top 100 is within her calling. Left-hander, really offensive, solid, um, enjoying her tennis. So, yeah, hopefully she can get through a little bit later tonight. But, yeah, the French, as we know, it's uh, never been the kindest Grand Slam uh, for the Aussies. 
No, um, it hasn't. Tough, tough, brutal surface to play on. So Rafa's there, Novak's there, and Rogers there. Well, what sort of form is Nadal in? Um, because we know how, well, how impossible he is to beat on this court. Well, if we look at the build-up, I mean, he didn't absolutely dominate that whole clay court swing. He was still able to win two titles, though. But once he gets to Paris and he's had a statue unveiled uh, overnight, which was always going to come at some point for a record that you could never seen be broken in the history of the French Open. If someone can win more than 13, it'll be quite extraordinary. If he gets to 14, it'll just be one of the most unbelievable records, not in, just in tennis, but in, in world sports. So he has to start as the uh, as the favourite, no doubt about that. And look, Alexi Popperin did play him in Madrid going back, uh, what, two or three weeks ago now and was reasonably competitive. Uh, but once Nadal gets to Paris, the conditions just suit him uh, perfectly. So he has to be front line of the betting. And uh, Djokovic is playing in Belgrade as a tuna, which he normally doesn't do. He normally would have that week in Paris practising, but he has felt like he needed to get a few more matches under his belt. And Dominic Team's the one, I think, who's certainly pressed Nadal, making a couple of finals, Kane, in the last three years. But he's had some time out this year, but he's just been getting his mojo back. And I think he's still uh, a major danger on uh, on the men's side. Mm. And for Ash, I guess she is in the form of her life, really. I think that's uh, across the board. She's been flying. So would Asaka, she's a second seed, is she her biggest threat or is there somewhere else that she should be looking sideways no, in the well, second think, week or something well, like that? You know, it's funny how Osaka's banned the media. She might be getting knocked out first round. The way she's playing on the clay at the moment, um, I've seen more of her the last two weeks uh, going to the Laurie Sports Awards doing um, uh, bikini shoots with a, a sponsor, and she's been all over social media. And she, look, she openly admits, Kane, that she's not comfortable on the clay and she's not that comfortable on the grass. So she's got to try and conquer those two surfaces if she's going to be regarded as one of the greatest of all time. So right now, I think it's Ash. Igor Sviantec, who won the French last year, she's uh, playing really, really good tennis at the moment. Um, I see Serena's arrived to practice, still think it's beyond her to get to 24 to be quite remarkable. So, yeah, I think it's a little narrower on the women's side, but yeah, Ash, the arm looks pretty good. That's the good news. She's been practicing all week in Paris and uh, Cherry Wright ready to go. And uh, apart from focusing on his basketball, where, where do we see Nick Kyrgios at this year? Is he going to play any tennis? Yeah, so he's slated to come back on the grass. So there's going to be a couple of tournaments building into Wimbledon. So one in Mallorca, um, home of Rafael Nadal, the beautiful grass courts there, uh, and also Stuttgart. So he's listed to play both. So unless there's a shift in Nick's um, thought plans to travel, which he's obviously been reluctant to do over the last 18 to 12 to 18 months, and then there's still the spot open for Tokyo. So the deadline is June 14. The top four rankings-wise, get selected. So he's at three at the moment behind Demonor and Millman. Um, so whether he's... You know, and he loves those team events too. Yeah. Uh, but we know what happened last time you know, with Ian Kitty Chiller and they had a bit of a dispute. He didn't uh, get to um, get to Rio, but whether he's going to play Tokyo, we'll have to wait and see. So, yeah, the grass is the first instalment we're going to see in post the Australian Open. All right, we look forward to that. BP, you'll be in action across a strange weekend of footy. You'll be calling the Gold Coast and Hawthorne game. And then again, the Swans and the Blues should be a ripper on AFL Nation. Hey, thanks for the update and enjoy the tennis. Hopefully you can get some sleep this weekend. Yeah, we'll try. Thanks, Kate. Have a good day. Good on you. Brett Phillips, they're part of our AFL Nation team right here. And, of course, our SENSA tennis expert. Your thoughts on Naomi Osaka banning the media? 
Um, Sam Gross written a pretty strong piece, and I do like Sam's thoughts on all things tennis. You'll see him on Channel 9's coverage of the tennis with Alicia Mollick and also uh, Todd Woodbridge. He was strong on it, and you should have a read because what he says, I think he sums it up pretty well, and the opening paragraph is, is really strong. Uh, plenty of sporting action across the weekend, even though Victorians are in lockdown. Taking us through all of the action is Bet Deluxe's Paul Sebastiani. Bet Deluxe, serious betting for serious punters. Betdeluxe.com.au, gamble responsibly. Yep, you can download the new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly, 1-800-858-858. Good morning to you, Paul. Morning, Kane. How are you? Oh, I'm very well. Thank goodness we've got the footy on this weekend. Why don't you take us through some of the hot topics of round 11 action in the AFL? We shall indeed, yeah. It all begins tonight from Marvel Stadium, came Western Bulldogs v Melbourne. First versus second. The Western Bulldogs are the sixty-three favourites with uh, betdeluxe.com.au at the moment. Melbourne Outsiders at $2.29 after having that first defeat last week against Adelaide. The line has uh, just gone out of touch here. It was 6.5 last night. It's now just bumped out to 7.5 in favour of the Bulldogs. So $1.90 for the minus 7.5 in favour of the Doggies, and the plus 7.5 is $1.90 for Melbourne. And the first goal scorer markets, we've actually had a little bit of a nibble here for uh, young Cody Waitman. So he's actually been $16 into $13 mm. to kick the first goal. But uh, Aaron Norton, the favourite to do that in this game at $8, Kane. Good on you. Some value there for Cody Waitman. If he doesn't start on the bench, it's not a, not a bad a bet. What about the racing quickly this weekend? Yeah, Group 1 racing from Eagle Farm. We've got the Queensland Derby. Explosive Jack. We've got $4 on offer for uh, Explosive Jack in race 7 at Eagle Farm. So... Don't take the $2.50 elsewhere. Take 4 bucks with Bet Deluxe. Max bet of $25 in that one as well. And then we've got the Group 1 Kingsford Smith Cup. Savitiano very heavily back with us. $5 into $3.90. That's race 8, number 13 at Eagle Farm. And don't forget, if you're on second or third cane at Eagle Farm, Caulfield and Randwick this weekend, it's money back in bonus bets up to 50 bucks, cane. So big weekend of racing and footy coming our way. Good on you, mate. Stay safe. Paul Sebastiani from Bet Deluxe. 22 minutes past 11 o'clock. Crazy week in the AFL, but also crazy week for a lot of sporting uh, teams across Melbourne, in particular our Melbourne Rebels. So we thought we'd catch up with their CEO, Baden Stevenson. He joins us on the back of, a, <laughs> no doubt, a stressful week. Baden, thanks for your time. Good morning. No problems at all. Take us through your week. Well, I, I, I'll start by saying my first Zoom call this morning uh, in, back in lockdown, I had the, the wife had the juicer going, the dog was barking, the <laughs> 17-year-old daughter was dancing to TikTok upstairs, jumping on the floorboards, and the young bloke was playing uh, Fortnite with his headphones on yelling, and uh, oh. I thought, welcome back. So anyway, but uh, no, it's, uh, that's the reality that we all face. Mm. But no, look, it's been a really hectic couple of days. Uh, like As you say, like all sports, we've had to move pretty quickly, and um, thankfully we've got the team to Sydney on um, Wednesday night and, you know, they've arrived safe and uh, they've had to um, all do their, uh, their testing yesterday, but now they're all clear, so hopefully we can just prepare as normal for the game on Sunday. Yeah, so you take on the Crusaders at Amy Park. Uh, you can get your tickets at Ticketek. You, you were initially trying to get to New Zealand. Uh, that was the case, wasn't it? But uh, they quickly shut their borders. 
Yeah, that's right. No, we're actually playing the Highlanders uh, in in Sydney now, um, not 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 the Crusaders at, at home. But um, but yes, no, we were initially meant to be playing in Queenstown, and uh, both teams are really looking forward to playing at that venue. I don't think uh, any Super Rugby games have ever been played there, so it's going to be something unique and different. And we were also going to spend a few days in Queenstown post the game, uh, uh, leading to our round four game. So the guys are a little bit disappointed, but. Yeah, COVID uh, um, yeah, changes all that. And, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to playing the Highlanders. And they're a team we've beat, actually beaten in 19 and 20, and we match up pretty well against. So they're flying over from New Zealand to Sydney. And, as you said, the game's been rescheduled to Sunday, which will be at 3 o'clock, that's correct? That's right, yes. And where to after that? Yeah, we're not too sure. We, we Round four was meant to be in Hamilton against the Chiefs. Um, at, yeah, but, uh, clearly that may be a challenge given that the New Zealand and Victorian um, uh, flying bubble uh, won't well won't be assessed or, or until uh, Friday night. So that's going to um, uh, not leave too much time. So I think Sandra said this morning that they'll make a call on Wednesday and uh, the Chiefs are currently in Townsville. They're due to fly home, I think, on the weekend. But uh, New Zealand Rugby Union are working with them. Uh, there's probably every possibility that they might need to stay in uh, in Australia and, and uh, potentially play another game in Sydney. So it's, uh, it's shuffling not only our draw, but the New Zealand draw, but you know, everyone's just prepared to do whatever it takes to keep the competition going. Mm. So I guess the prospect of your players, what, what, what can you say to them? They pack a bag and you, you can't really give them any certainty. What, what are they like dealing with the, the uncertainty of it all? I guess they're used to it in a way. Yeah, no, it's definitely like a lot of teams. It's the third time that it's happened to us. Uh, yeah, I think everyone's forgotten that uh, in February this year, because uh, our competition starts, we were on the road for the first five weeks of our competition uh, before our and AFL had kicked off. But uh, I think compared to, yeah, obviously last year when it was new for everyone and there was a lot of anxiety and stress around it, and we had 13 weeks on the road. I think this time, guys, understand that uh, we've just got to deal with it. We've got a pretty resilient group, and I think as long as we communicate uh, and support each other. I, I think the guys will be fine. Uh, I think for us as a club, you know, we're very, very um, mindful of you know, the wives, the girlfriends, the families and the kids. And uh, you know, I've been really pleased with how our club's been able to support all those uh, in the broader Rebels family. And uh, this will be no different. But look, yeah, we're, we know that we're on the road for at least two weeks. And yeah, we've only got three, three rounds to go. So we know that yeah, this this won't go on for weeks and months at a, t- a time. The maximum it'll go is for our final three games. Good on you, Baden. Appreciate the update, mate. Look after yourself and your team. Yeah, good on you. Thanks, Kane. All the best. Cheers. The Rebels and the Crusaders are back home Saturday, June the 12th at Amy Park. Hopefully, tickets available at Ticket Tech. That is the next home game. Let's get back to some of you who have been waiting patiently, including Craig in Wagga. Um, good morning to you, mate. What's your thoughts this morning? Yeah, good Kano. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. Yeah, I just sort of... I had a bit of a laugh at a couple of callers that called in in the first hour suggesting that um, they've started watching more rugby league now because of the head-high stuff, but uh, it's pretty obvious they haven't been watching any league at all because they're having um, much worse issues than what what we have, especially over the last three weeks. The Landy's brought in the new head-high rules and it's seen more send-offs, more suspensions than ever before. Um, I don't agree with the play-holding suspension, but to pretend it's only our game that's sort of having issues, it, you couldn't be further from the truth. It's just, it's all over world sport at the moment and um, it, every league seems to be 
trying to find the right way to go about it. Um, we haven't got it yet, but it's it's pretty obvious it's not just our game that's suffering. Good on you, Craig. Thanks for that. Watches a lot of the NRL. Yeah, there's a there's a line there somewhere, and when you get to a point, it's hard to take any more aspects that make the game so good out of it including, you know, players lifting their knees to go to a mark, which I fear could be the next lever that the AFL pull. Hopefully I'm wrong. Gary's in Perth. Uh, what did you make of the two-game suspension on Nick Holman, Gary? Yeah, it's not so much about Holman. I was put on a, a marvellous tackle and a rundown tackle. Like, he ran around players to, uh, to get to uh, um, Duncan, the person he tackled, um, just to get his name for the moment. Mitch Duncan, yep. Yeah, Mr. Um, my um, concern was for Higgins. Higgins is given a, a lovely forward handball and then Ron jogged alongside Higgins. Now, he was looking at him. He put out the butterfly wing, Shepherd, and I, I think Shepherd's a lost art these days, but he basically left that blow. And I've had a good look at the vision multiple times to see if he actually called to warn him or get the handball back to take the pressure off off himself so that he didn't get tackled as ferociously. It always was going to end badly because of the pace that they were running and the chaser was determined, obviously, to to, uh, to, to enact a, a tackle at the time. And I don't know how Higgins can walk back in the shed with his head, head up and Look everyone in the eye and say, look, I'm your mate and I've got your back. He it's pretty just... ordinary, it was pretty ordinary effort, uh, wasn't it, Gaz, and the, the lack of shepherding from Higgins. Once again, in that moment, you think, oh, gee, I should have, should have shepherded. We've all been there. In hindsight, you would have loved to him to put a great block on, which is what the best teams would have done in that situation, unfortunately. Um, Mitch Duncan's got 12 days on the sidelines. Jack's on the line. You want to speak about tonight's game, Jack? He'll be a ripper. Yeah, good morning, Kane. How you going, mate? Good, thanks. Uh, yeah, tonight's game, uh, what an absolute tragedy. Uh, would have been a sellout crowd. Mm. Uh, massive moment for two clubs. Uh, arguably one of the biggest games for both clubs in a, in a little while. Uh, top of the table clash. Um, but, yeah, what, what a tragedy. We can't fill the stands. But, um, yeah, what a, what a game it's going to be. Uh, me as a Doggies fan, I mean, uh, I'm a Doggies fan, so uh, I... I really hope we win, but um, gee, Melbourne are a good outfit, so I, I'm really looking forward to it, mate. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see uh, which midfield comes out on top. But uh, and just your favourite um, Indigenous just, player? Yeah, so I, I've got four that stand out to me. But um, the, uh, so Gavin Wanganeen, your former teammate, uh, yeah. amazing, uh, and Andrew McLeod, just sheer greatness. Yeah, Adam Goods for what he's achieved, and uh, but my my creme de la creme of Indigenous players has to be Buddy Franklin, mate. He is just. He's just an anomaly. Um, he just fills grandstands, uh, and he has done for years. And he's uh, approaching a thousand goals that can't be uh, can't go unnoticed. Uh, his greatness, and um, just four. lastly as well. Yep. Yeah, it's a big four. But uh, just lastly, I want to leave this sentiment um, just to anyone out there uh, who's feeling a bit low, um, feeling a bit flat with the lockdown in Melbourne. It's pretty tough down here at the moment, mate. And uh, mm. just to anyone. Uh, just encourage everyone to utilise their friends, their family, and um, all the mental health services that are available to them if they're if they're feeling a bit alone and a, and a bit lost. Uh, Absolutely, to... well said, Jack. Great call and an important message. Um, there is help out there if you're doing it tough. To echo Jack's sentiments, well said to you, mate. And what a big four it was: Wanganeen, McLeod, Goods, Franklin. Hard to argue with any of that. Uh, let's go to Torquay and speak to Corey. G'day, Corey. 
G'day, Kane. I just want to know what you think the Tigers need to do in order to get back to their, their prime form. Get their best players back. I've just been back. a bit disappointed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah just get, just get the just get the reinforcements back, and they'll get three of them this weekend against Adelaide. Uh, I would expect them to win. Not ideal that the game's been moved away from the MCG, and thankfully we haven't heard any complaining about that. But uh, Prestia, Cochin, is it Edwards or Bolton? I think it's Bolton back in. So get your best players back. Uh, uh, don't have too many concerns over Richmond, but. They've got to make a run for it soon before time runs out. You've got to win enough games to finish probably top six, I reckon, for the Tigers. 29 minutes to 12 o'clock. On the other side of the news, the quiz, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Line up, lines available. We'll get to the quiz, Chad's Brothers quiz. AFL Tribunal theme this morning. We'll do that after the news headlines. That was the news headlines, so let's get stuck into the quiz. It's time for Chad's Brothers Quiz. So an AFL tribunal-themed quiz this morning, 18 holes of golf midweek for two with a cart. That's included, thanks to Club Mandalay, a must-play course in Melbourne's north. Jeez, I'm reading some of the questions. They're hard. So if you if you struggle, we'll, we'll, we'll give this a good shot for five or six minutes. If you struggle, we'll start to give you some clues. Michael, unfortunately, you've got... Probably the toughest quiz I reckon I've ever asked. Question I've asked in the quiz. Who is the only AFL figure to have been given a life ban by the tribunal? Oh, wow. Man. That's a very, very tough question. Isn't it? Uh, no, I don't know. Wouldn't have a clue, mate, to be fair. Have, I'll, give you, okay. I'll give you a clue. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not a player. It's an AFL figure. No, Jota, recently. No, it was not, it's not. It's not your worst guess. It's not. It's not Joffa, but it's not a player. So, when you say tribunal, Ben, I'm, I'm confused about the question. Was he banned? He wasn't banned by the sort of the AFL tribunal. He was just banned by the AFL, correct? Anyway, who's the only AFL figure to be given a life ban by the AFL? I'll rephrase it that way. Jason, hello to you, Jace. Okay, yeah, Kane, how you going? It has. It's in relation to the Essendon stuff. I'll, I'll give you a decent clue there. Stephen Dank? Stephen Dank, yes. It was Stephen Dank. Maybe my clue was a little bit too easy. Uh, question number two. Since the tribunal was overhauled in 2005, two players have been given eight-week bans for single incidents. Can you name them both? Barry Hall? wasn't Barry Hall. Barry Hall was not one of them. One played for a couple of clubs, including Essendon, and the other one happened recently. Jake, hi to you, Jake. G'day, Kane. Now, two players have been given eight-week bans since the tribunal was overhauled in 2005. So this is just for single incidents. Can you name both of them? Uh, I can name one. One's Andrew Gaff. Yep. Um, I'm struggling with the other one, mate. Um, you played for Harrison, you said? I did. Uh, was it uh, Was it Michael Long? Wasn't Michael Long, wasn't, but uh, certainly got one of them, so you've done some heavy lifting. Uh, Michael's on the line. Question number two. Have you say, people, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Tough questions this morning. Michael, two players have given, been given eight-week bans since 2005 for single incidents. One's Andrew Gaff. Who's the other one? 
Dean Solomon. It was Dean Solomon. You remember, you remember what he did? I'm, I'm going to guess he hit someone. Yeah, he he raised. I reckon. I reckon it was Cameron, was Cameron Ling, wasn't it? I think from from just from my memory without looking it up, it was Cameron Ling at Geelong after he disposed of the ball. He raised his elbow and uh, broke Cameron Ling's jaw in a really nasty one. Question number three: Who was the first player to be sent directly to the new tribunal more than once in his career? Who's been sent there twice? Oh, no idea, Kane. Sorry. That's all right, mate. Thank you. You've at least got one question. So let's go to David, who's in Ballarat. This player has also played for two clubs and he's currently still playing and he plays in the forward line. David, in Ballarat, welcome to you. G'day there. Um, oh, gee. Um, two clubs, still playing. He plays in the forward line, kicks lots of goals. Uh, oh, Jack Greenwell. Not Jack Revolt, hasn't played for two clubs. He's only played for one. Let's go to Mick. G'day, Mick. G'day, Kane. How are you? The first player to be sent directly to the new tribunal more than once in his career. He's played for two clubs. He's at his second now. He plays in the forward line. He kicks lots of goals. Jeremy Cameron? Was Jeremy Cameron. Well done. Question number four. Two to go for the win. How many weeks suspended? How many weeks does it take, sorry, for a player... To be deregistered, how many weeks suspension did they need to be deregistered? Look, for all competitions, including the AFL. I guess so, but mainly focusing on the AFL, it's between ten and twenty. Yeah, because I know in the local, a bloke I knew got deregistered. I'm sure it was sixteen, but might be different for the AFL. That'll do. Go with sixteen, mate. We'll take that one. Question number five for the win. Yeah. Who was the first player to be charged with misconduct for interfering with an injured opponent? Real little oh, first. angry sort of back pocket type oh. player. Well, that rules out Nathan Buckley because I remember that Cameron Ling one with the blood. But um, is it recent, Kane, or are we going right back? Um, no, it's within the last... 12 years, I would say. And he's an angry back pocket player. Is he still playing? Yep. Angry uh, I've given you enough clues. Cover yeah. has to, yeah, okay. Let, sorry, we, we tried our best. Brad's on the road. G'day, Brad. Who was the first player to be charged G'day, with misconduct Kane. for interfering with I an reckon, injured opponent? I reckon it might be Steve Baker. <laughs> we got there. That is the hardest quiz ever, Ben. You can take a hard look at yourself, champ. That was... It's too difficult. Um, he's saying it was easy. I'm saying it was hard. But anyway, who won? Brad on the road. I'll put you back to that man, Ben. Give him a spray for telling him it was too hard, would you? 18 holes of golf midweek with a cart, thanks to our good friends at Club Mandalay, a must-play course in Melbourne's north. It's 20 minutes to 12 o'clock. If you want to have your say, we'll get to you before Dwayne takes over at 12 o'clock. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. 15 minutes to 12 o'clock all week. We have been supporting Aussie Jobs, Australian Made Makes Australia. We thought we'd catch up with one of those businesses doing great things to support Aussies. John Can from Able Sports is the general manager. He joins us. Uh, John, thanks so much for your time. Anytime, Kane. Anytime, mate. Tell us about Able Sports. 
Well, Able Sports probably started, we're based in a factory in Sunshine West. We started about 25 years ago, Kane, um, with flagpoles and then evolved from flagpoles into goalposts for the natural position. And now our major business is, we have Able Flag and Able Sports, but the major business is Able Sports. And we supply and install goalposts for all codes throughout Australia. We do the MCG, we do Adelaide Oval, Perth Stadium, SCG, all the council grounds, AFL, rugby, soccer, the works, Kane. Where are they manufactured, mate, and how many people do you employ? Well, we, we employ in our factory in Sunshine West about 15 people, but as well as that, we probably have about 100 other suppliers for different components of what, because a goalpost is basically aluminium and it has a steel spigot, so there's different components that are involved, so we, I guess indirectly we're supporting 100 other individuals throughout Melbourne particularly. Yeah, it's interesting. The other night on the footy broadcast, Brian Taylor said oh, it's hit the woodwork, and they said, "Oh, it's prob- they're probably not made out of wood anymore." So, what goes no. into manufacturing goalposts? Well, basically, you said no. Well, basically, there there's a steel spigot we call. It's got a steel spigot in behind, under a um, aluminium pole. So, if we take the goalposts that say the MCG, they're 15 metres high. They've got a steel spigot and aluminium on the top, and they're um, hinge based. Because not only with the MCG, with the different seasons, the poles going up and down, but all the councils came. We, most of our biggest clients are all in Melbourne and all the councils throughout Australia for all their sports grounds. And be amazed with the expansion of Australia, you know, how many sports grounds are going up, how many goalposts. I guess the big one rolling out is soccer. There's a lot of soccer goals out. But they're manufactured basically, they're reinforced by steel, but with a um, aluminium pole covering them. And to you and your business, why is manufacturing in Australia so important, considering there's a lot of rip-off, cheaper versions that you can get overseas? Well, I guess the reason, and this is interesting, because particularly with something like soccer golf, Kane, where you've got English companies and German companies and that can manufacture them, and they're obviously they're bigger markets than we have here. So they, But the trouble you've got, if you have a situation with an ABU Park or Melbourne City or anywhere where there's a game on, and say one of the... Um, Turfies you know, hits the goals with a, with a tractor or something, they have to be replaced within 24 hours or quicker. So because they're a locally made product and service and maintained locally, we can, we can actually solve that problem. We can imagine if, for instance, um, the game coming up, the MCG, perhaps if it happens, which is state of origin, it's important the goals be able to be stood and, and you know, be maintained. And being Australian-made, we give that back up to, them, to support them as well. John Cairns from Abel Sports. He's the general manager. We are supporting Aussie Jobs. Australian Made makes Australia. What what big stadiums are, is your product in at the moment? Well, well, all of them. The MCG, the SCG, wow. the Adelaide one, the Perth Stadium, Amy Park. Um, basically, I'll give you an example of what we do, particularly with the Perth Stadium. Okay? Our guys put all the footings. So if you take the Perth Stadium, they've got footings there for um, Australian AFL goals. Rugby League and Rugby Union, soccer, and also we've got puttings there for American goals too if American football should ever come there. So what they can play any code they like and we manufacture and supply and install the goals for all those codes. So it's... Um, uh, and the MCG, under the MCG, they've got obviously puttings for rugby, soccer, AFL. Um, you know, it's, and I don't know if you're aware of this, Kane, I only learned this since I got into this business too. Rugby League and Rugby Union, the width of the goalposts is... It's 6.6, I think, for Rugby Union and 6.5 for Rugby League. So the goals have to go up and move 500 mil in and out. You know, so they're, not only do they go up and down, they slide in and out depending on its legal union. So there's all these technicalities which you need really a local company can, you know, can manage it for them.
John, I was not aware of that. Uh, love your business, no. mate, um, and all these sort of unsung heroes that go about putting out sporting events. You are one of those. Able Sports, check them out, and remember to always support Aussie Jobs, Australian Made Makes Australia. Thanks so much for your time. Great. Okay, thanks, Kane. Bye. Buy Australian products for Australian Made Week. Australian Made makes Australia. John Can there from Able Sports. Now... We've got a bit of conjecture over the quiz. I wasn't sure about Stephen Dank being banned by the AFL Tribunal. I, I thought when we thought Tribunal, we, we sort of thought matches for players and sanctions in that space. But Ben got quite offended by my criticism over the difficulty of his quiz. So he, he tracked down this. Stephen Dank, in 2015, the AFL Tribunal found him guilty of trafficking in a number of illicit supplements and banned him from any association with the AFL for life, very he was very offended. His integrity is Ben. His integrity has been in called into question. The quiz master remains supreme. You know what? Ben's the one that alerts pickers to the votes with this self-congratulator award. Those of you that tune in to off the bench tomorrow morning from nine, he deserves votes here. So Ben, I want you to give yourself some votes for this quote. I'm very offended. My integrity has been called into question. The quiz master remains supreme. On that note, at nine minutes to 12, we'll be back on the other side of this to wrap up this extraordinary scenes here this morning. On SEM, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Four minutes to 12 o'clock. You can enter the Thirsty Camel and Carlton Drafts Crystal Ball competition at iCanWin.com.au. So, looking into the crystal ball, who wins tonight? Western Bulldogs averaging 127 points at Marvel. They play that ground better than any other team plays any ground in the competition. So, I just think they'll be too quick to electric. Tim English comes back into that side. Huge boost for the Dogs. For the Demons, I, I hope they don't play it safe. I hope you know, they defend the ground really well. But when they have their opportunities, they have to move the ball and challenge the Western Bulldogs in defence. But uh, be a brave person to tip against the Western Bulldogs tonight. Let's get in Dwayne because he's been dominating on Dwayne's, Dwayne's World coming up. Andrew Gaze, Justin Rees from Hawthorne. Sean Higgins, Dwayne, welcome to you. Kane, been hearing what you had to say earlier today as well about Lockie Plowman. Taking so many calls on Lockie Plowman this week has been amazing. You and I are on the same wavelength with it. I caught it live and uh, I thought it was a fair contest. And when you have a freeze frame of it and say, well, he got there late uh, and it's actually a bang-bang play, um, you know, it's not late. They got there at the same time. But you and I will agree on that. Um, for a long time coming forward and hopefully uh, it's going to be interesting to see the way players commit to contests like that. Hopefully they still commit to contests like that, even if they shaped to mark a bit earlier than uh, Plowman didn't shape to mark at all. He should have probably shaped to mark. Interesting that you've been talking as well, uh, I think about a month and a half ago, about players that changed the game, Kano, yes. in their time. Yep. I wanted to ask your dad about it. It's the Doug Nichols round. There was a bloke by the name of David Cantilla who played between 61 and 66. He came down to South Adelaide, played 113 games. 
He won a best and fairest in his first two years at the club. He was a 198-centimetre Indigenous ruckman. Kicked six goals on debut for Glenelg. And a lot of people tell me that he changed the outlook of the game when he came down. To have an Indigenous ruckman with the athleticism of a Lance Franklin or a Polly Farmer to come into the Sandville, kick six goals on debut against Glenelg and, and then dominate for South Adelaide for a couple of years, winning their best and fairest. He was a, a game-changer as well. So ask your dad about him and see whether you can get some stories on how good David Cantilla was. David Cantilla, okay. And you, you'll take calls on players that have single-handedly changed aspects of the game. So I, so I look at... You know, I look at these massive midfielders now that, that can not only do what they do in the midfield but go mm. forward. They've got two strings to their bow, like what Petrarca and Martin's done for a long time. Bont and Pelling now, they're changing the game, aren't they, in the, in the modern landscape. So it's a good one. Yeah, it's more in, in the context for calls off the top today. And I do have Andrew Gaze coming up, Sean Higgins to talk some footy, Campbell Brown, Justin Rees from the Hawks. But more in the case of the Bulldog style tonight, I like the fact that they're doing something different. I like mm. their handball game, not purely because I love that kind of football necessarily, but it's such a watchable difference that the Bulldogs and Luke Beveridge are bringing to the table. The way that Liberatore attacks the ball in deep and then they get it out to their ball movers. There's been a lot of talk about Marcus Bond and Pelly is the best player ever to have played for the Dogs. I just like the, the way the Dogs and Luke Beveridge have changed the game a bit in the last couple of years. So we'll talk about that a bit off the top as well. Beautiful to, beautiful to watch they are. Dwayne, have a great show, mate. Thanks for your time. Always good to talk to you, Kano. We'll talk soon. Midday Madness coming up with Dwayne Russell. Players that have passed or present changed the game. one 736 736 That's it from us here this morning, but don't go anywhere. It is your home sport. Uh, stay safe to everyone in Victoria. Not a lot that I can say here other than our thoughts are with you, and hopefully it's a very short process. See you next week at 9. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.